How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, freedom, flow, agorism, anarchy, and more. We'll discuss how to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. This is Mike the Polymath coming from the Easy Peasy Workshop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to episode 85 of the Easy Peasy Podcast. I've got a good friend with me here, a, a Childerberg friend, uh, a new friend. So we got Brandon on the, or I'm sorry, Braden on the show. I knew I was going to do that. I always do that, man. But Braden is on the show with us. Uh, he is coming from, actually, I'm not sure where. Uh, why don't we start there, man? So tell us who you are, where you're from, roughly, and uh, yeah what you're all about, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, Mike. Uh, first podcast ever. So let's hope that I don't screw it up as I normally do everything else. Hey, don't sweat it, man. We're in it together. You know, I actually, if it makes you feel any better, I just ate like a little mushroom capsule about 30 minutes ago. And I, you know, everything's a little, a little hilarious already. So we're just going to roll with it. And like, if I'm acting silly, it's probably maybe a little bit due to that (laughs) hey i'll drink to that man yeah 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 but i didn't mean to cut you off there go on no it's all good so as mike said i'm Braden. i'm from childerberg but that's not where i live i live in north texas and you know i've had a really interesting journey into liberty into anarchy and self-sufficiency and just trying to do things my own way, do them peacefully and just make the best of the hand that we've been dealt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Um, You know, I guess we should have said like happy fourth. We're not quite there yet, but this will drop on the fourth, which I think is appropriate. Um, You know, a bunch of people are just out there getting drunk uh, tonight and tomorrow and like for the last two days. And don't get me wrong. Like I did some of that this weekend already. Um, and I might do some more tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to get into on the fourth, but I don't know. Tonight I was ready to just like chill and like talk to somebody. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we were chatting last night and we made these plans because it's kind of like, I, I didn't really feel like going out and seeing a bunch of crazy drunk people who I know who've just been not really celebrating Liberty truly for the last few years but they're happy to get drunk on, you know, Independence Day. And it, it can be a little bit irritating sometimes. Uh, so it's cool to just hang out with you. And like the last two days, I just went camping, you know, did some work on a on a little property for, for some folks that I know. And, uh, you know, it was nice to kind of like disappear for the last couple of days. But 
we're we're back on the grid now. So I'm glad I'm glad you came on. Um, you know, there's there's a few topics I sort of had in mind, uh, but could you give us a little something about sort of like what you do for money? Um, you said you've had a you know a journey to anarchy. Like I'd be curious if you could give us a little backstory, perhaps. So uh, yeah, um, this is going to sound kind of rabbit holy schizo rant style, but right now I'm a vet tech, and um, when some things happen that we're going to get into later in the episode, I was working retail for a uh, certain. Uh, video game store that's known for screwing you over when you go in to trade in your games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not going to name any names directly there, but, uh, sure. and, uh, my big journey into Liberty and Anarchy itself actually started about five years ago now in about a month when after graduating call graduating high school, I, went to A&M for my freshman year and only year that I spent at A&M. Go me. Hooray for partying. I was in the ROTC detachment there, the Corps Cadets, for any of our listeners who are familiar. For those of you who are not familiar, essentially you wear World War II dress uniforms around all day and act like a gigantic tool. And uh, I never even heard of that. I don't think we had that oh. at IU, as far as I know. World War II, oh, you'd, you'd, you'd get in sort of the green garbs and the, you know, the shovels on your back and all that stuff. I mean, are we, we talking uh, dress uniforms? So we had to wear the uh, the lovely ACUs that uh, didn't blend with anything except for Granny's couch. Then our everyday outfit was the uh, like World War Two, just like khaki short sleeve and khaki pants i see yeah and then we had the uh pinks and greens with the green jacket and aggressively heavy trousers and uh have a lot of really bad memories associated with wearing all of those uniforms <laughs> and then a couple of good ones so did you end up going into the military after rotc or no no i uh i was not invited back to the university because i spent a too much time partying and making friends and uh, chasing pretty women that uh, they decided after the end of my first year, they sent me a nice little letter and said, Hey, don't come back. See you never. Whoa. Okay. Well, and I guess it wasn't for you. I, <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. And for a while I thought about joining the military after that. And just out of this sick sense of like almost Stockholm syndrome. Mm. It's just like, well, I've been like almost doing it for a year. So why not just go do it? Ultimately I let my intelligence get the better of me and I chose not to do it. I chose to stay and focus on my education. But that year that I spent at A&M just doing absolutely mindless things for no reason other than to be a good little robo drone for the state and getting briefings to us about hey don't go around raping people beginning with a five minute drone strike footage compilation that kind of started kind of started me going hey uh, maybe this isn't where it's at Hmm. yeah i don't i guess i'm i'm not sure 
what you meant by or mean by the the drone strike you I, I remember we had a thing my freshman year, like orientation weekend, and it was very like, um, you know, men are dangerous, women beware, like rape, 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 rape. And, um, you know, I remember being taken aback a bit. I'm just like, whoa, like this is like intense. Like, well, and like, obviously, like, yeah, like, but it, it was a weird, it's, it was the first hint at like, sort of this woke culture that I really had experienced. What year were you in like, you know, in Texas A&M where are we talking? Uh, 17, 18. Okay. Just a couple, well, five years ago. Shit. Time's moving yeah. quick, man. Time's moving quick. Yeah. So I was a few years ahead of you, um, but they showed you some stuff about, you know, drone strikes and stuff in the same, in the same like thing. I don't understand that. Yeah, so a couple of times a semester, we'd have these things called discipline briefs that it was, if you were lucky, you only had one a semester, but uh, the whole core was kind of not in the best place discipline-wise, and the officer in charge of discipline was this full bird marine colonel that he really loved to show just like footage from Iraq and Afghanistan to like five-finger death punch to get us... Mm hyped up for a briefing about how bad we are weird and it's like this was with this was specific to the jrotc just regular rotc yeah Yeah. it was ridiculous that it's like okay you're sitting here saying like okay yeah in the past six months we've had this many people get charged with sexual assault sexual harassment type stuff we've had this many people get duis we've had this many people get hazing charges but here's a five-minute Warheads on Foreheads compilation with five-finger death punch in the background. Hope you like it. I see. I see what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So that's the weird thing is the woke culture has made its way like into institutions you wouldn't really expect it to be in. And then it mixes in a weird way with sort of a counter narrative. Uh, that's bizarre. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got out of it, and I'm kind of glad you didn't end up going military. Um, you know, there were a lot of cool ex-military guys at Childerberg. Uh, talked to a lot of them, and sounds like uh, they got took advantage of in in more ways than one. You know. Yeah, that's uh, like you said. A lot of the guys there. That was the general consensus. Was you know I made some good friends, had some good times, but overall just kind of got screwed over by the state. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's kind of a shame. Uh, some of the stories I'm hoping to get some of these guys on, uh, one guy I can't get on till a few things are resolved. Um, but you know, how'd you find your way to Childerberg and how many years have you gone? So, this was actually my first year mm, yeah, me, and yeah. after the major like really life-changing events for me had happened a couple of years ago i had heard about it from a friend that texted me like a week after mm-hmm. and he was like oh hey this this thing called Childerberg's happening in two weeks is like this big liberty event it's gonna be anarchist crypto bros libertarians we should totally go and uh call my attorney and he was like 
if you want to go, that's fine. But I'm going to charge you extra because you're going to be giving me extra work to do. Huh. Were you in the middle of some stuff at the time? I mean... Yeah, I was... Uh... I was definitely in the big middle of some stuff. I'm pretty sure I know what you're alluding to. Um, I guess we ought to just get right into it. So was this the thing that happened during COVID? Yes, yes, it was. Right. And uh, ooh, it was something. Yeah, man. So from what I understand. Um, okay, so are we, ta- are we talking kind of small town Texas? Is that... Is that fair to say, or where, where on the scale of like city town, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, I'd say small town, like not, not gigantic by any means, but, uh, but yeah, you, I don't, you were telling me that there was a bar that basically decided not to close or did they close initially? So they had initially closed and then our uh, illustrious overlord in the wheelchair here, he uh, he was like, okay, yeah, you, bars, y'all can reopen on this date. And then that date came and passed, and he was like, oh, yeah, no, y'all can't open anymore. Hmm. Just kind of doubled back on his word, and they were still trying to roll out all of the... Uh, state handouts to help kind of pacify people you know can't really be mad at what they're doing if you're getting paid to sit on your ass and watch family guy all day yeah so uh this owner decided that she was gonna open hell or high water because these programs hadn't rolled out yet there wasn't her people didn't have any income coming in and they were this was before the eviction moratorium had been passed, so it, they were looking down the barrel of a pretty nasty gun. And I'd been with some guys at the uh, salon in another North Texas city that uh, had been opening and had a very large presence from armed men, such as myself. And then requests started coming in from all over the state for people to show up, kit it out, to help them open their business when they're being threatened by the state with arrest and incarceration for just trying to earn a living. And that doesn't fly with me. No, no, me neither. Oh, man. So in a nutshell, what I'm hearing is that you were at a, you, you, you did this once up at a salon Yep. Uh, like just a nail salon, hair salon, whatever. I mean, who cares? But like, I mean, and it went well. It sounds like nobody, nobody got in trouble. Uh, but no, there was no trouble. You know, pigs rolled by a few times and like waved at us and mm. stopped a couple of times. And we're like, hey, y'all aren't causing any trouble, are you? And like, no, you know, we're sitting there drinking bottled water and just shooting the shit with people that are walking by and mm-hmm. you know, no problem there, but you know, things change based on location. So when you did this at the bar, give us uh, you know, I guess just take your time. Like I, I kind of want to, I want to get the whole story if we can, and I'll try to, 
I'll try to ask things as they come up to me, but I want to hear sort of, I mean, you get a call one night and it's like, Hey, tomorrow, was it that kind of thing or? So it was pretty close. Actually, it was about two days before Okay, I, uh, I went to the salon. It was my day off. And the next day I had to sit some finals for college. And then the day after that, I had finals as well. And the first night that I was doing finals, the guy who was organizing everything, he calls me. He's like, hey, can you meet up and drive with us out to this place in a couple of days? And I'm like, well, what day? And he's like, oh, this is on Monday. And I'm like, oh, word, you know, I can make it. Mm-hmm. Like, I was off that day. And he was like, so what we're going to do, there's this gym that needs us there for a few hours. Then we're going to go to this bar, spend a couple hours there. Then we're going to drive through the night to South Texas from West Texas Hmm. for a hair salon that wants to open. Then we're going to drive back up so that everyone can make it to work that afternoon. And... It was a really ridiculous plan in terms of just logistics that it was like, okay, we're going to have to rotate driving. Everyone's going to get a nice four hours of sleep. It's going to be great. So meet up at the organizer's house, which was about 20 minutes from where I was living at the time. And we head out. It was like, I think it was probably a seven hour drive, if I'm remembering right. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we were entirely out of our element. We had guys coming from up the panhandle. We had us. And then we had, like, two locals that were meeting us there. And they were the only guys who, like, really knew what was going on. Because they were the naturally locals. So they knew kind of what to expect better than we did. Mm -hmm. And after we got to the gym, we didn't have really, like, great communication with everybody else. But, uh... So... We're hanging out at the gym. Camera crews are there, like, taking our pictures and stuff. And, you know, you've got a bunch of guys in fluorescent tank tops and their jeans with their kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're just hamming it up because, you know, to the average person, you do look kind of menacing when you're kitted up. But yeah. if you're hamming it up with your buddies and just sitting there, you know, smoking and joking, having a good time, cracking jokes, you... You look a little more human. You look a little more normal to people. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I was going for. That's what everyone was going for. We wanted to look like normal human beings. Mm-hmm. And so organizer w- was uh, getting interviewed by local media. And he comes running out full bore, grabs his kit because they wouldn't let him have it in the gym. And he goes, hey, we got to move over there now. Owner said something weird's going on, so we got to get and go. And so we rush out to the trucks, pile in, and just fly over there. Owner comes out, and she's like, hey, I own the property that the bar's on, then I own the property next to it. And y'all are going to stand on the property next to it. So that way you aren't doing anything illegal. Separately licensed, separately taxed property. Yeah. I mean, separately stolen property. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And so, like, she had, like, a little line spray painted on the ground or, like, chalked. 
yeah. some form of marker that was like, hey, do not pass. So we were standing, well, probably like 10, 15 feet behind the do not pass line. Mm-hmm. And we'd been there for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And it's 105 degrees. So we're sweating pretty bad. Yeah. You're and just, just out in the sun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I I had a sunburn for like a week. Mm-hmm. It was bad. And you know how pasty I am. Man. It was rough. And But, you know, it was for a good cause, so I was there. And Next time, pack the sunscreen. Note to self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so 20, 20 been, minutes later. Yeah, 20 minutes later, like, the waitresses and, like, brought us out bottled water and stuff that was ice cold. So we were really happy about that because our water had gotten hot by that point. So mm-hmm. we were just, like, overjoyed that we were getting cold water and mm-hmm. then no sooner and they got inside MRAP rolls into the parking lot big old bastard on the megaphone on it like hey if you've got a gun get your hands in the air right now damn MRAP, is, AMRAP is what now a uh, mine resistant ambush protected vehicle that's like uh, the bear cat some people call it or is that a different one something like that though it's an armored personnel the tank yeah yeah it's a tank without treads essentially yeah and you know you there was a guy in the turret with his ar pointed at us there were probably 15 guys with ars pointing at us Hmm. probably 30 to 50 more just on the streets waiting and then meal team six like i'm a big fella mike but these guys made me feel good about myself Mm -hmm. and they come walking up and they individually put us against the trailer and take everything from us and just pass it off to their buddies. Really? And they, then they took your weapons. Kit whole nine yards mm-hmm. and toss us into a pretty much a white van. And I was sitting there like, Oh, well, I don't see a tear stained mattress. So I think that's, I think we're pretty safe on that part, but you never know. Mm. And then they haul us over to the county jail, and I'm just sitting there like, well, shit, what what is going on here? My brain still hadn't processed everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. That it was just like, you know, in the crampy movies where they show the main character like the end of the movie and then that song Bob O'Reilly by the Who starts playing. It's like, hey, you're probably wondering how I got here. Right. I had that moment after we got in. And uh, so they have us sitting in the van in the garage at the jail for probably 30 minutes, sweat streaming down our faces. Like, I'm blinded by sweat at this point. I just can't see a daggum thing just taking their sweet time dealing with us finally take us out and they're like okay we've got so and so over here and he's gonna ask you all the information about everything that you had and so you know we give him all the information about everything that we had it's like 
accessories, magazines, amount of ammo in the magazines. Mm-hmm. Like there was one guy that had the serial number on his plate carrier memorized. Mm-hmm. That and, and you know the cops are walking in and they're calling us terrorists and crap as they're going through and like high fiving each other like they just caught Osama bin Laden. Oh, they feel like freaking dirty hairy. They get to feel big and bad, you know? Yeah. So uh, they were antagonizing us about it, and we. They toss us into the cells and stuff. They try to separate us out into three. And they were like four and one, three and one. And then there was one guy that they just put by himself because they didn't like him or something. Hmm. And. So we ended up playing with the guy who was solo at like 2 a.m. We were playing charades to pass the time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the the screws come like charging over. It's like, hey, stop communicating. And it's like, we're playing charades. <laughs> like, chill out, motherfucker. <laughs> like, what else yeah. are we going to do? <laughs> of course, you're just not supposed yeah. to do anything, right? But... Yeah, you're supposed to sit there and think about what you've done. You're in big kid timeout now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, it was just the most ridiculous thing. So, and the one that I was in, it was me and a couple of guys that were with us. Then there was a guy who was in because he caught his wife cheating and then tried to stab her. Yeah. And yeah. He was telling us about that, and we were just like, man, that's rough. Like, I'm sorry she cheated on you, but, like, maybe you shouldn't have tried to stab her over it. Yeah. Hate and to then say, there was say, guy. You guys maybe should have tooled that guy up in a, in a just world, but I don't know. You don't want to put yourself in more trouble than you're already hypothetically in, <laughs> even though I presume yeah. you, you essentially did nothing illegal. Um, no. You know, and I guess I'll pause on the story for a moment because I want to take it back to, like, uh, you guys were intentionally like trying to not look as as pos- as much as possible not look threatening. Oh yeah, you know, um, it's kind of a funny aesthetic, and I I kind of like it. But it's a I hate to you know I hate to say it. I have yet to really say this on the air, but it's like a boog thing, right? Like it's kind of a boog thing. Uh, wearing the Hawaii, wearing the Hawaiian shirt and. I mean, it gets mixed up with the Proud Boys, though, is the problem. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to draw lines so I understand it better. I'd be curious to get your. So, were you guys in any way like an organized militia before this event? No, we were just a bunch of yahoos that we were just like we all met up at the salon, and then it was like, oh, people want us at their business because the state's threatening them too and it's like it's one of those situations where you kind of feel like a jerk if you say no to the person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where we landed and you know it it backfired on us on that one so it's still all being worked out or what was the end result like uh so my case got dropped like Hmm. i'm good Uh, but i was looking at five years for what what were the charges 
they send that it was that we were pretty much carrying inside the bar. That's what they accused you of? Really? Yeah, it was like the legalese was essentially, oh, you're in a prohibited place and you're strapped. But we're not on the property. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. thankfully I I got a good attorney. It, I know that might blow some people's minds that they're out there, but uh, mm. got a good one and he really helped me out, man. Wow. Wow. It's a hell of a fucking tale, man. It's a hell of a tale. Oh, yeah. It, it gets better, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, since we got there, we'd been asking, you know, hey, can we make our phone call so we can arrange bail or talk to our families or stuff like that? Let them know what's going on. And uh, starting after they were yelling at us for charades, they pull us aside, like, one by one, they take like three guys to make their phone calls at two in the morning. And it's like, well, that's just a jerk move because no one's going to answer their phone at two in the morning. Right. But then they've technically given it to you. So you could, you could I suppose, do you have the right to refuse until later or is it now or never? Because that is some that is some bullshit, especially just practically speaking in today's age, how few people have like landlines that might actually wake them up and might alert them to a potential like situation. Yeah. Everybody's phones just are on vibrate or turned up, you know, turned silent when they're asleep. That's, that's shitty. Yeah. It was, it was crap. And after they got those three through, they were like, okay, we're done. Y'all, the rest of y'all can get it tomorrow after you go in front of the judge. So they, yeah. And, so the next morning, you know, breakfast 0500 that it put it put summer camp food to shame yeah. is how bad it was that uh, to even attempt to call it appetizing is nothing short of a lie. What would you and, what, what was it? I mean, I'm afraid to even ask, but could you tell what it was as far as the egg dish was supposed to be like a Southwest egg scramble with green chilies in it? Which normally I would have been all over, but the Sorry, eggs were almost the same. It's all good. The eggs were almost the same color as the chili, and uh, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to partake of this. And then it was like a little single serving of Kellogg's cereal and a carton of milk, and that was it. Yeah. And so about eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock, they have us do the little stupid march down to the tank before you go in to see the judge. And, you know, we get in there and everybody who was in there instantly recognized us from the news and just walks over, starts dapping us up, shaking our hands, clapping wow. us on the back. Wow. We, were, we were big celebrities in there and it's kind of, it was weird. It felt weird. That, like, you go through the entire night being called a terrorist and then, you have a slight change of venue and then everyone is in there and they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like wow. you're on, like you're our team. <laughs> and so they had a little pay phone in there. So that's when most of us called our families or bondsmen or whoever needed to be called to get those arrangements made. And then we got to 
stand before the judge, and he individually read out the charges to every single person, had him put down there, John Hancock, yeah, I understand what's going on, and then was essentially like, get out of my sight. What if you, what if you refuse to sign? Do you know? I don't know, actually. That uh, wasn't really explained to us. I wonder. I just wonder. I don't know either. Um, yeah, because I, I feel mean, like the courtroom. I've talked to a, a friend or two who say there's a whole lot of like kind of weird legality of everything that happens the moment you cross the threshold into the courtroom. Like, oh yeah, it's it all harkens back to like maritime law and like the design of the courtroom is very much there's a reason it's all laid out the same and you know the way it is and um it's kind of weird almost like a cult type shit oh yeah we didn't we didn't even get a courtroom it was just like this essentially doomsday bunker with a inch thick plexiglass divider in it in the jail yeah and then they they make the mistake of throwing us all back in into the same tank and you know when you have a group of idiots together the idiot just intensifies Mm -hmm. so uh, then we started singing and they didn't like that very much started what now we started singing singing nice nice yeah we uh we went through about a probably four or five of the like greatest IRA songs ever written. And then they really? got really pissed about that. Ooh, whoa. Crazy man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fireworks are One starting the, over here. I don't know about where you're at, but. <laughs> uh, we still got a fair bit of daylight over here. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, roomie was trying to talk me into going with him to our hometown to see some fireworks. And I was like, man, that's the worst traffic of the day. And, uh, yeah, I didn't have the heart to tell him I don't really feel a need to celebrate a country that hates me. I I feel precisely the same way, man. I could not have said it better. Fucking hell, man. Fucking hell. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the idea of what Independence Day maybe could or should actually mean, but it doesn't mean that to most people. It's kinda, Not at all. It's kind of like fuck them. I I told you I told you at the beginning. I said, you know, I just didn't want to be around anybody this weekend, except maybe no. except maybe a homie like you. You know. Yeah, that that's why I signed up, man. Mm-hmm. I'm I was sitting there drinking last night. My roomie and I were watching TV, and I was like, man, I wonder if Mike's got anything going on because we we talked about it before. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about it at the Berg, and then I was like, you know what? Uh, just see what his availability is. Fuck yeah, man. So, what'd they do after y'all started singing IRA anthems? Um, So, this, uh, this female warrior that she was a little on the shorter side, but she was mean as a rattlesnake she flings open the door and she's got four other screws behind her and she hey y'all stop singing that so he picked another one and started singing it Mm. she said if y'all keep singing I'm gonna get some of my friends in here and we're gonna come bust y'all up 
Hey, I'd, and, I'd welcome it. I'd say, come do it, motherfucker. And then we're out of yeah. here. We're out of here scotch free. You know, you're just, yeah, you're so, just helping us. You're, you're helping our case if you do. Sorry. Exactly. Go, go on. Yeah. So then we started singing everyone's all time favorite. Come out, you black and tans. Mm-hmm. And then nothing happened. And so then we started making wife beating jokes and calling them a whole lot of unpleasant names. Mm-hmm. As they fucking deserve, brother, as they deserve. Oh, yeah. Fuck those assholes, man. They're just regular, what, regular old stadies or? uh... No, man, it was county. County cops. And they got a goddamn fucking bear cat. Yep. And across the uh, top of the grill, someone had taken like a paint pen or something, and they'd scrawled in big black letters, the beast. Jackasses. Yeah. And the fella who was a. there's another fella in with us for the night that uh, he was at the bar just having a pint. He came out and apparently the cops had all our stuff strewn across the hood of his truck, taking pictures of it, acting like they just caught the South Armand sniper team. And they're like, oh my God, it's like the biggest bust in the history of mankind. Like, oh, really just, uh, just giving themselves the old one, two. Yeah, and, yucking uh, it up, yucking it up, man. Thinking they're, oh, they're big time now. They're big bad cops now. They're cool. They're the cool cops. Fuck yeah. Fuck them, dude. Fuck them. Yeah. So a fella comes out of the bar and he's like, hey, y'all can't use my property for this. Like, get it off. I don't want it over here. Mm-hmm. So they arrested him and charged him with interfering with an investigation. For saying, I don't want you putting property that you stole from people on my property. Yeah, they got they got some kind of fucking power trip going, man. Some kind of complex. They all got little dick syndrome. I don't, you know, it's like they all think they're fucking. I don't know, man. There's only a certain type. I know there's some good cops. I shouldn't I shouldn't be such an asshole as to know. You know, I know there's some good cops. But the problem is when it comes down to it, they all do what they're fucking told. And that's the problem. Yeah. One of my best friends from growing up, he is, uh, if ever hears this, he'll probably kick my ass over it, but uh, he is functioning Asperger's, and the military wouldn't take him. So he was like, okay, I'm going to go to the police academy. I'm going to be a cop. Because, you know, that's the close, that's the closest thing he can get to being in a war zone is being a cop. So naturally, that's the way to go. And uh, I don't know if you know about this, but they have to pass a psyche vow to get in with the department. Mm -hmm. And he had to go to seven different psychiatrists before one would sign off. And how many of those are there? In uniform, you know? Oh, God and only knows. We're, and we're all debating about whether or not the average citizen should have a gun. Like, maybe we should do a hardcore audit. You know, like, everybody says defund the police, defund whatever. I'm as against the police as anybody. But in, in real terms, like, the most practical thing to do would be to to thin it out and build it up with better people, you know? 
they need to fucking call the herd on that one, man, because there's some there's some sick cows in that fucking sick pigs. What am I talking about? There's some fucking mad pigs among that fucking fucking what do you call a group of pigs? Uh, the early stages of breakfast, I reckon. Yeah, but hey, that's a good answer. But crazy, dude, crazy. Fuck these pigs, man. Pisses me off. Like they're obviously too big for their goddamn britches, you know? Yeah, it's the everyone probably had one. It's the uh, fella in high school that no one really sat with him at lunch. No one wanted to be his friend because he was just a tool. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to be on that power trip the minute that he can do it. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it. I can think of two right off the top of my head. See? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. <laughs> what are we going to do? I mean, I, I commend y'all for, for taking a stand. I, you know, I actually did something halfway similar. Um, there was a protest. It was during the BLM stuff and, there was a protest in a town that I no longer live in, but I used to live in for a very long time. And somebody like drove, you know, drove a car kind of through the protest. They didn't kill anybody, but they hurt a couple folks. And it was, it was aggravated. There's no question. Um, And I, I'm sure in hindsight that probably went two ways, but I have the feeling this person um, was unwilling to just sit there and wait for people to go past and that's what provoked it. And so everybody just kind of responded because it was like, whoa, there's a serious need for like security. And obviously there's going to be another protest after this shit. Um, Cause it's like shit is hot right now. So a bunch of, bunch of dudes like kind of just showed up, you know, it was very, very, uh, I wouldn't say disorganized cause we organized it. Um, pretty quick. It was like, all right, we're going to move in like teams of two. Uh, we're going to leapfrog down the street as the march is going on. You know, it's very simple, you know, block the alleys, block the roads, you know, stand there with your guns and just don't fucking do anything stupid, (laughs) you know? And, um, and we, you know, we pulled it off and all I had was my 12 gauge shotgun at the time. Uh, but that was enough for me to, you know, I felt the need, just like you said, it wasn't, it wasn't like anybody asked us to do it, but it was, it was obvious that somebody needed to, I'd say there were probably a dozen or 15 of us, something like that. Would you say it was similar with you or you said about Um, 10 or 12, something like that. There were seven or eight of us at the bar and then at, uh, at the salon, there were definitely more, but it it's very much that sense of something needs to be done in our communities that mm-hmm. pulled us out and made us go and help these people that were asking for it. You know what it makes me think of is the Boston Massacre. And I'm sure glad it didn't go that way. But the image I had in my head of you guys standing with a line of chalk and the cops... Uh, had the had the upper hand tactically but shit brother if 
if if uh-huh. any, if anything had gone wrong, it could have been another Boston massacre. Is what I, what I'm saying. You know the history there, of the Boston massacre, right? I'm sure, right? Yes, I do. And there was no way for us to get out of where we were if things had gone screwy. That we were just stuck where we were, and that was definitely the closest call with my own mortality that I've ever had. Hmm. That. You know, you have a bunch of adrenaline junkie, ultraviolet people with armalites aimed at you. Mm-hmm. With their, there was one guy that I could see sitting in the turret of the MRAM, and he was literally sitting there just playing with his trigger the entire time. And I was sitting there thinking, "Oh my god, this guy's going to get us all killed because he doesn't understand trigger discipline." And it scared the ever-living crap out of me. I, I'm just speechless. Well, like I said, I'm glad it went the way it did. It's terrible that they violated your rights at all, right? It's terrible that they violated everybody's rights by telling people they couldn't stay open, couldn't make a living. It's fucking atrocious so yeah forgive us for not being super jovial and fun loving on this particular fourth of july right yeah i mean i'm a pretty fun guy but the truth is when it comes to celebrating america it's like america's on life support brother let's let's not let's not fucking let's not celebrate it i think it was uh, in one of his episodes br he said that uh we're in the death throes of the state right now, and it's just that iron grip before the death rattle that we're seeing right now. And I think it's fairly fitting for what we've experienced over the past few years. And you're right. Why? Pardon me for not jumping for joy that, oh boy, we have this holiday dedicated to tax evasion, guerrilla warfare, and killing agents of the state celebrated by a bunch of people who hate those things well and not that you have to love those things yeah right not that you have to love them but but you're what you're doing is is ignoring the true and and honest meaning of things you know i keep coming back to that as a theme like don't let don't let them change what things mean man like they do it with Christmas. They do it with fucking Fourth of July. You know, it's like, when did we become so fucking thick? It's fucking retarded, man. Bunch of just another Hallmark holiday, man. We joke about us being schizoids and and even like autistic and shit. Like it, that, that it cracked me up. Everybody at fucking Childerberg, like, it's like, yeah, I'm. You know, we got a case of the tism over here, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'd stop myself a couple of times when I just go down little rabbit holes while I was talking to pretty much anyone. I I got uh-huh. in a bad one while I was talking to Pat Watson from Uncensored Tactical. Uh-huh. We went to get some coffee, and I just went on just this most ridiculous rant about Dungeons and Dragons being an anarchist exercise. And then by the time we got to the coffee shop, I. I caught myself as we were pulling into it. And I was like, 
Oh my god, I'm sorry. That was the tism taking over for a minute. <laughs> Wait, so how how is it an anarchist exercise? So, if you think about it, it's <sighs> self-policing as a player. Mm. And you don't really have any major rules that you have to follow outside of just the basic game mechanics. And you all right there, Mike? Yeah, yeah so, I just had to I had to let a series of pretty intense coughs out there so i turned the mic down um thank you go on (laughs) and you also just have this you make your own decisions and you have to rely on self-policing to determine the path that your character that your party takes Mm -hmm. because it can't just be like i could see a lot of connections being drawn that's no that's no autism well whatever maybe it is it just it's a it's a it's a clever um, observation of the nature of that game because it is equal parts um, choice and chance, right? Mm-hmm. And it is very um, self-regulatory in that, like, you have to respect the the die and the dungeon master, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm a well, at least I like to consider myself to be a fairly kind and giving dm if any of my players listen to this they'll probably call me a lying bastard but i don't really stop them when they want to do things i just say okay just so you know this may have consequences Mm -hmm. and most of the time they're like okay we'll live with the consequences will you (laughs) yeah 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 well it is it's a it's a fun game i remember uh I believe it would have been 2013 or 14. Um, I was in college and me and all my roommates, we got socked in for a couple weeks because it was just terrible, terrible weather. And uh, all we did was smoke weed, hang out and play D&D, you know, for ages. We just set up around the ping pong table and everybody had their own little ashtray for their fucking whatever kind of weed that, you know, maybe somebody has a bong, somebody's got fucking papers and a grinder, like whatever, pick your poison. And, um, and we just sit there all day and just like, you know, throw in a frozen pizza or two, like when we got hungry and D and D for fucking hours, man, it was awesome. Oh yeah. We'll normally, my roommate and I will normally whip something up in our kitchen before the players come over and so that way they have something to eat and then we'll probably go two, three, four hours depending on how deep we get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Oh shit. Well, you know, it's funny, like again, I wanna I wanna just bring up the fact that like when it comes to doing this kind of stuff, like you can you can do your best to look as non-threatening as possible, but the whole point is to look a little threatening. Now, what I find interesting is the inherent like desire by the good dudes, the good dudes who are no terrorist, right? The assumption is everybody's gonna look different, okay? Right? Everybody's gonna have a different colored shirt on, everybody's gonna have a different hat on. Like we are not. We are not, we are not a unit. We are, maybe we are a militia, but we are not a, we're not the regulars, man. We're not, we're not the red coats. Like, no, we're not the blue coats either. We're the freaking, 
we're just the guys. We're the guys. I almost want to say we're the modern day Minutemen, right? Because there were only a handful of them back in the day. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I, well, I wouldn't exactly call myself a Minuteman. I've got a little bit too much of a belly going on for that. Uh-huh. But, you know, that's something I'm working on. But... Hey, no sweat, man. I mean, it's an attitude more than anything. But I think, you know, physical mm-hmm. training is important too, for sure, you know. Oh, yeah. I've gotten back in the gym recently. Rumi and I go four times a week and, uh, you know, it sucks. <laughs> well, you got to you almost have to learn to love the burn. You know, I, I advocate for gardening is about the best hardcore workout you can get. If you are really serious about building a garden, man, it takes a lot of hard, oh, yeah. takes a lot of hard work. And uh, that's always a fun way to do it, I think, because there's a purpose and you get something from it. You know, I was never yeah. a fan of going to the gym much. Not that not that I wouldn't do it, but um, there's other ways too. you know. Definitely. When uh, right after everything that happened happened, I had to move back in with my family because I was like, well, you know, all my shifts have been cut because of COVID. And, you know, I'm making significantly less than I was pre COVID. Mm-hmm. And so I had to move back in with my folks and they acted well. My old man was really supportive. Mom didn't really understand anything. She thought that, and still thinks that we were the proud boys that anyone in the um, Aloha Social Club or that was affiliated with it at any point. I'm not affiliated with that in any way, shape, or form right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, she thought they were all like proud boys and neo Nazis and stuff. And it's like half of the half of the stuff that I was at. And I, I attended one at a county courthouse for the county that i live in in kit and it was just like I, there was another guy in kit that was there that uh he was a hispanic gentleman and it was just like yeah we had no beef that liberty is not about skin color it's about mm-hmm. individual freedom mm-hmm. it's, very, very, many- it's very very simple man and it's I think it's just all of the press and publicity that's put towards these groups. It's to paint guys like you and me in a certain color. And I don't want to be associated with any of them, but it's, I was getting kind of in my head, like to the point of saying, like you see these images and these, uh, supposed, you know, like groups that are out and about where they're walking around all dressed in uniform with freaking masks over their face. And I'm, I'm convinced that every one of them has government infiltration, you know, and that I, I see pictures of these jackasses Patriot front Mm -hmm. that I'm assuming that's probably a group that you're referencing. Yeah. And then I think there was just another one like today. I, I, I just briefly saw something about it, but that they're walking around in khakis, their boots, and long sleeve blue shirts, masks, base matching baseball caps, and then you know you take off their ball caps, and they all have the Fed haircuts, mm-hmm. yeah, or cop haircuts. They're all remarkably of the same age or similar yeah, age, same. and uh, same age, same build. Yeah, man. And I'm sure there are one or two idiots that are in there that are just like, oh yeah, we're 
Right. They actually self no, there's, there's always a dupe, you know, like, or, or 10 or 20, you know, there might be one agent, there might be 15 agents. I, you know, who knows how many, um, but these groups, you know, it's like, I just don't, I don't see any of them as being like real. It's, I mean, I think they're no. real, but they're not, they're, they're not real. If you catch my, they're drink. not organic. They're not organic. It's not, those are not militias. That, you know, it's like, fuck man. They're just trying to make a case for this domestic terrorism bullshit so they can crack down on us, man. And it's fucking obvious. Oh, yeah. Like, damn. Like, you gardening peacefully. Oh, my God, you're making your own food. You might be the next ISIS. Like, just. Yeah. I'm already getting just, you know, it's like, I just, I think I need to step up my OPSEC. We kind of talked about this a little bit in some regards. You know, I'm going to be careful what I say here. Um, but let's just say I've kind of been practicing, like, falling off the grid. Even though I still like Instagram and shit, you know, it's like they've got yeah. they've got my GPS wherever I go. But man, like, I think I want to start thinking more and more about like having having certain places where I kind of you know go dark a hundred percent, just as a just as a a a drill initially. But like doing what I'm trying to do here. I'm, I'm a little bit afraid I'm painting a big old target on my back, even though clearly I'm a peace loving guy, you know, but because I'm willing to talk about the second amendment and willing to take up arms if necessary you know, to bear arms. Some people just don't understand what that even means, man. No. It, and if anyone looks me in the eye and tells me that, Oh, well, the Second Amendment was only written, you know, for hunting or to protect your cattle or your livestock or your property from animal threats. No, yeah. don't don't lie to yourself. Let me go tell that to any number of like the million people that are in the middle of some kind of civil conflict right now. Right. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. OK, they're, they're not going to buy that bullshit line like. No, people don't understand how how thin of a line society is like on right now. Yeah, it uh, just because it doesn't happen here, it happens other places, man. Sorry, I'm I'm on a bit of a fucking roll here, but like it's, I'm a little bit pissed off because, just like you, man, we keep coming back to it, but it's like fuck these motherfuckers out on their boats in their in their you know American flag swim trunks, triple vaccinated as fuck you know like shut up quit yeah. you, know, you don't yeah. deserve to shoot off fireworks i do but i'm not gonna because frankly no. i'm you know i'm like i don't it sounds a little bit too close to cannon fire you know it's like it's kind of <laughs> scary now it used to be fun now i'm like fuck man that might be real again someday and you like you said, you have these jackasses in their American flag swim trunks on their boats out on the lake that they've got a 30-pack of Coors Light in the back of the boat, and they've been drinking since probably 2 o'clock this afternoon. Mm -hmm. And now they're they're sitting there talking about, oh, my freedom, and it's like, no. And 
you know, I guarantee you probably half of them are bitching about the Roe decision and talking about bodily autonomy and acting like it's the first time that we've had a bodily autonomy discussion Mm -hmm. as a country in the last few years. And it's like, no, we just got out of a gigantic one called vaccination where you wanted to strip anyone and everyone who didn't have it of their God-given rights to assemble, to associate with who they want to, to do as they please peacefully, but because they didn't get your little miracle cure, fuck them. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're, they're less than, they're second class. Mm. Yeah, man, people are people are hypocrites. That's what it is, and they're, mm-hmm. I just, it's like I see, I just see stupid. Like what stupid. was it that, uh, Napoleon said in Animal Pharma, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. Mm. Yeah. It's a funny way of putting it, for sure. Yeah, that's... They've created a caste system. Luckily, <clears throat> luckily it didn't really take, right? Um, it didn't take, but they. it was a test run. It was a beta. They're going to try to implement these fucking... Vax passes somehow med check, you know, med, you gotta, you gotta get your uh, annual, you know, federally mandated physical evaluation so that you can fucking participate. It's just, it's so fucking obvious. That's what they want. They're just testing whether or not they can get away with it. And I'm kind of proud of uh, the fact that I think they're, they're fucking feeling the heat coming back at them. You know, there's like no denying it, man. Um, they're, they're, they're finding out how far they can push people, and I hope I hope not much further than they already have, if mm-hmm. any further. I feel like we should, from here on, be like, you tried once, motherfucker. Fucking hold there. Or scoot on back, you know? And I think that's what a lot of people are going to start doing, because I'm, I'm hearing just around here that, hey, you know, the second that gas prices hit x per gallon we, we're out in the streets and mm. you know fair play to them on that but it's not gonna not gonna do too much if you're just sitting there bitching about gas prices i know i guess i don't see the point of any of that kind of thing really at this point um you know no. i fully i fully think the only solution moving forward is building networks like actively building networks and a lot of people are terrified. I liked BR's recent episode about, or was it BR? No, it was, um, do you listen to, excuse me, free and poor free and poor? I do not listen to them. He, he's a good dude. Uh, I, I found him online somehow, but he, he's got a podcast. He, he talked about how basically it's like everybody's kind of, eyeing each other like you know who's the fed right it's a common joke but i loved that at childerberg like it was just pretty clear that like nobody was or if they were i you know i didn't get i don't know who's to say man that's isn't that kind of the weird thing no there i think there was someone that called me a fed because i wouldn't smoke a blunt with them and (laughs) you know i I get tested for work, so I yeah. have to abstain. But 
Otherwise, I would have smoked. It was a but joke. I'm sure it was a joke most of the time, right? Oh, yeah. They were giggling about it. And right, right. My sunburned ass was sitting there like, yeah, you're real funny. Now, let me get back over and keep flipping these burgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no. Um, oh, shit. <clears throat> Sorry, man. Um, but my point is, uh, Free and Poor was talking about how, like, you know, what we really need to do is, like, trust each other. You know? And, like... If somebody starts talking weird, like, hey, we should go fucking do this crazy fucking thing, like, that we, you know, we should go do some kind of violence or some kind of fucking bullshit. It's like, um, no. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's when you, you know, it's like they, they'll, they'll, they'll put the spotlight on themselves eventually. But we have to make networks. We have to make these, like, underground networks, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. We need to get on alternative comms, like secure comms uh, of a variety of you know different types, whether it be online or over the air, and uh, we need to start building like local economies. I keep coming back to this, but that's when that's when the kits and and the dudes that are ready to be Minutemen, that's when we have a job to do. Once we have something worthy of protecting, say you know the farm or the yeah. the community right like it's tricky because um getting into like a defensible position as a community man like that's hard that's hard work but we have to think that way you know i've started looking at you know i've i've yet to buy property but i i think i might have some options where i don't necessarily even need to buy property to set up a secure location and I have a small network already in that, say, 10-mile radius. And the particular space is highly defensible. Just truth be told, one way in, one way out. You know? Yeah. We need to start looking at little places like this where, say, somebody in the community is really in jeopardy, like wanted man for whatever reason whatever bullshit reason and we can, we got to be able to put them someplace you know like john fucking dillinger hide him out like you know yep and that's the key is most people who aren't familiar with the anarchists and they just hear the word anarchy a scary word mm -hmm. but they don't expect it to be people who are dedicated to their communities to building community yeah to having that sense of community to have that network there because you know your internet friends who are states away or who are 30 miles away things go weird odds are they're not going to be able to come to you mm -hmm. and you're not going to be able to go to them but like what you have that 10 mile area that is pretty much ideal because that's a realistic setup. You know, and and I don't I, it's, it, it, I think the ideal setup would to ha, would to be by you know sorry I'm stumbling over my words but to over time sort of buy up every available property within sort of a tight radius as a as a community right to strategically consider sort of okay where are we going to go who's going to go first 
And how are you going to get ready to make that move if you're not quite ready financially or otherwise? Like, but in the next 10 years, we need to have these, call them enclaves, okay? Have you ever heard that term? Yep. <clears throat> yeah, so like little places that are that are on their own, you know? And I think there has and, to be a farm, a pretty serious kick-ass farm, or two, or five. Having, having those farms is the way to do it, because that way... You're self-sufficient for food. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about, oh man, I gotta run over to Walmart or I gotta run to Target or fill in grocery chain here because they're not always gonna be there. Yeah. And if you're in a position where you have to rely on that because you need an emergency food supply, you're already behind the curve and you're hosed. Mm. Yeah, fully agreed, man. So, like, what I did this past two nights, um, it was just so fun, man. It was so nice to get out, like I said. And what I did is I went to a place where I've worked for these folks for quite a long time, okay? And this was the first time I've ever camped on their property, even though I've threatened to and you know, thought, thought about doing it a bunch of times. But now that I have a camper, it just makes it so much easier. So I hitched up the camper Friday morning. I roll on down there Friday afternoon and uh, set up camp, you know, hang out, have have a drink with with them. And uh, and then I went, hopped on my motorbike, rode up to the bar that's like 10 miles up the road. And I saw two guys that I know quite well who were, you know, just happened to be playing music there that night. You know, they have a band that plays kind of like world music, like almost like Rasta or a reggae tone or like ska or, but it like it, whatever, all kinds of shit. And, uh, but like, I just, I had a great night, like had, had a beer there, had some dinner, fucking rolled back to camp, you know, settled in, went to sleep to the crickets, you know, woke up the next day, got some fucking work done, got paid, fucking hopped on the motorbike again rolled into town, went to a place I used to work that's about 20 miles away and kind of reconnected with a couple folks there. I am actively keep, you know, maintaining connections and I'm not even trying that hard. It's kind of like instinct at this point. It's like, oh yeah, I should like go back and see so, so-and-so. Um, you know, I bet you they're working today. It's Saturday. Like stuff like that, man. And, uh, when it comes down to it, those are the connections that are going to really fucking matter, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's something that I always advocate for with my friends and with some of my classmates because I haven't mentioned it, but uh, I'm entering my senior year in university right now. Are you? But a lot of my classmates, they very much like... Ooh, woo, tread on me harder, daddy government. Give me everything that I need. I promise I'll be a good little bootlicker. My favorite flavor of boot polish is Lincoln. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, that whole charade. Yeah. But they'll, I'll be talking to them. I'll always say, you need to have, surround yourself with people that are as smart as or smarter than you are. Mm-hmm. And then with people who have skill sets different than your own. 
-hmm. because I mean, if you're in a group of guys that it's five medics, what are you going to do when you need a farmer Mm -hmm. or when you need a vet or anything else? Yeah. That's why I like going to Childerberg, man, because I was just like a little garden evangelist to all these gun yeah. gun dudes. And like they were all hearing it, man. They were all like, yeah, dude, like keep keep it coming. Like, you know, it's just cool, man. Like people recognize that that I, I swear it really does boil down to guns and gardens, guns and gardens, man. And if I sound like a fucking terrorist for saying that, suck my dick. You know, like, right? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was talking about that in pretty much a business ethics class that I was taking mm. last semester. And I was like, hey, you know, I don't care what anyone does, you know, do your own thing as long as you're not hurting anybody else. You know, if you want to be, you know tilling up your dirt so that you can get your tomatoes planted and you got your AR on your back. You're not hurting me. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're sitting there and kissing your husband or your wife or whatever kind of partner that you have. You're not hurting me. Mm -hmm. Do whatever you want to do. And that's what I love about Childerberg so much is that it's everyone there has that same do whatever the hell you want to do as long as it doesn't hurt me mindset. Mm-hmm. I loved it. You know, makes for a fun, had, makes for a fun time, man. It the, does. The only we, rule, the only rule is don't be a sh- like, don't be a shithead, you know, don't fuck with anybody. Yeah. Like, and that works. That's yeah. all you need. That's all you fucking need. Yeah. Yeah. And like we had you selling your plants, you had like different herbs and you had your tomato plants and that's, really the most of what I can remember out of your inventory. I was yeah. drinking most of the time. Yeah, that's cool. Me too. But it was, uh, but it was, uh, you know, a little bit of everything, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Then we had people, we had the people that had set up their own tiki bar. We had the guy who had like set up a kitchen in his camper and was slinging burgers all weekend. Mm-hmm. Among other things. He, he was on the show I, on the Childerberg episode. So if there's yeah. any if there's any dedicated listeners, you've probably heard heard the guy who slings burgers and shrooms, man. It's fucking awesome. Guy's cool as hell, man. So cool. And but you'll notice the only major problem that we had at Childerberg was being either too drunk to stand mm-hmm. or being hung over. Yeah, yeah. That was it. That's about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I saw anybody like really make a fool of themselves too bad, you know, or anything. It was like it was such a drama free environment. You know, people oh, yeah. people basically handled their own shit. You know, I think that's part of the attitude is like everybody there is kind of like, yeah, we're we're going to party and we're going to party hard. But like everybody holds their shit together. <laughs> you know? yeah. And yeah. you really saw it at the brewery the no, at the distillery that we were at for the music show. I know for a fact, I will freely admit it, I've been drinking since 7 that morning. Oh, sure. It was one of those kinds. Yeah, yeah, I woke up, I made myself a ham and cheese sandwich, had a granola bar and a beer for breakfast, and then just kept it going, had had a handful of whiskeys in my backpack, 
and then was just walking around like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Just sitting there drinking, smoking, joking with everybody. Yeah. And by the time they're like, oh, it's time to go to the distillery. I was like, cool. I had to be <laughs> helped. I had to be helped into the truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was pretty I fucked up. I was pretty fucked up by the time we got to the distillery too, man. Honestly, I was like, but, but I, I you know, whatever. It was great. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> I, I ended up playing cornhole with a J. Did you meet Jay? Um, Bhattacharya yeah. or whatever, or what's his name? Yeah. He was wearing linen shirts the whole time. You know, I don't, I, I can't remember I, if I saw a face, I would know if I talked to him or not, but I know he's, he's a podcaster, right? Yeah, he was on Slurp Gang. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I heard they are no more. Yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah. Do you know but, the story? Uh, I'm super curious, but it's not really any uh, of my business. Just, just a disagreement. Uh, I don't know the story. Like Jay and I normally like send stupid memes back to each, back and forth to each yeah. other, and, like pass different bottle recommendations to buy. Mm. So I don't really know anything about that, but. uh while we were at the distillery, both of us were equal parts hammered mm. and we were trying to play cornhole and <laughs> just not know, even getting on the board. I bet like, <laughs> Oh no, we were making great shots. I mean, right. okay. There were pro scouts there watching us, but <laughs> <laughs> when you're playing cornhole, you should really have a sober partner if you're hammered. Yeah. But it was me and Jay and then two other guys who were equally hammered. Yeah. And none of us could do the math to keep it straight. Yeah. And like, what's the score? We don't know. We're just having fun at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're just tossing bags, man. <laughs> yeah. No, but you can't really under or you can't overstate um sort of how chill Childerberg really is, man. The name No. The name They're, is hitting. Yeah. Uh I guess like Buddha and Quaaludes might be like a pretty solid descriptor. Interesting. Or, or um, yeah, man, I don't know. Buddha with an AR. Like, yeah. Buddha with an AR is fucking a nice image. <laughs> you know, I don't like uh, that you brought up when I'm at the pool. Uh huh. Yeah, right, right. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man, I'm going to grab myself another brew if you don't mind. Uh, Mind if we hit the pause for a moment? I'm happy to keep talking. Go for it. I'm going to pour myself another one of not to plug on your show. Yeah. Bushmills Prohibition Whiskey. Uh-huh. You're trying it's to get that drink of choice. Trying to get that sponsorship. I tell you, hey, if it gets me free whiskey, I'll take it. I do have this. I might take a pull or two off of. But Ooh, bullet ride. Bullet ride. That's that's what I'm sipping on right now. I've also got some Knob Creek. I want to say nine year. And a little bit of whistle pig, which I have yet to I've yet to open. So Yeah, I've got I think I've got like four bottles of scotch, five bottles of Irish whiskey, and three bottles of Japanese whiskey. And I, I've not yet tried any Japanese whiskey, but I hear they're making some good good shit. Yeah. And this uh before you get your brew, mm -hmm. this does bring up a pretty good announcement that We'll put on the airways for all the listeners because I have mentioned it on Twitter before, but uh, make it podcast official. Mm -hmm. Next year at Childerberg, I will be hosting a whiskey tasting. Nice. 
Hell yeah. I will have at least six bottles. It'll be donations recommended. I'm not going to hide whiskey behind a paywall because I believe whiskey is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Just pay what you feel like paying. But I'm going to have a lot of great bottles there and talk tasting notes, history of whiskey, whole nine yards. Do something great for the people. I thought about hosting like some kind of Q&A, like gardening related. You know, like, hey, come come over if you have like gardening ambitions. We could have like a little, uh, yeah, a little like on the fly consultation. Or yeah, what have that, you. Um, permaculture, ch- you know. Permaculture chat. Come over to Permaculture Corner, y'all. We're gonna talk permaculture. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> some some cheesy ass shit like that. You know, I don't know, but people I think people would like, you know, some people would want to be a part of that, I bet, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. That people love stuff like that. And when I was still living with my family, I had built a raised bed on the side of our property, just a little eight by 12 job, nothing too big, mm-hmm. but got two pretty solid years of crops out of it. Hell yeah. But it don't take like a rocket scientist. No offense. You know, I'm not a rocket scientist either. It's like, Oh no, I'm dumb as hell. Well, and honestly, I'm, I'm a pretty poor gardener relative to some. I'm okay, but like, there's some kick-ass people that know a whole lot more than me, and I'm trying to, <clears throat> I'm trying to keep learning from from people like that. So, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. shortly after, excuse me, <clears throat> shortly after Childerberg, I went to the Self Reliance Fest down in Tennessee, and golly, man, it's like we need to merge these these groups. We do, you know, the young able-bodied men. That basically, the group of people at at uh, self-reliance fest was kind of a older crowd by a, by a pretty big margin. And I can't help but think that like the young guys at Childerberg could make connections with some of these like pros and really like maybe get opportunities for jobs or fucking, you know, meet people that might have property that like they're willing to open up for use and shit like that, man, shit like that. That is very important. And even just on the very base level, not even cracking through the ice, just that transfer of knowledge Mm -hmm. from these guys who have been gardening, farming, ranching for 20, 40, 50 years on to the young men, Mm -hmm. it's completely invaluable. Like You cannot put a number on that amount of knowledge because that is just so rich well, i've said it before but i i genuinely think it's uh it's a really good quote it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in the war but like damn straight we all need to be both right all right i'm gonna get a beer be right back <laughs> sounds good man rock and roll hell got yeah little, got a little handful of m&ms on the way too they <laughs> that's the way to do it hit the Sancha. Cheers, man. Oh, man. Yeah. So any thoughts? Like, what do you what do you see happening, man? Like, how do you see this shit shaking out? How rapid of a decline are we looking at? So very liberal estimate on my part. I think probably in five years or so, we'll start to see some kind of splintering happen. Like, 
the uh, Nation of Appalachia project. I think we might see that come to fruition. Wow. Maybe see some stuff up north, kind of like the uh, state of Cascadia. Free state is that part of the free, like the, that's is Cascadia like what Pennsylvania, New Hampshire? Uh, it's like Pacific uh, Northwest. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it's okay. We're talking Oregon and um, Iowa, or I'm sorry, Idaho and uh, Washington kind of area. Yeah. Okay. I think we might see them kind of break off, do their own thing. But I know uh, my state, Texas, we have a secession referendum that might be coming up in the next year or so that politicians have been pushing for. Not that it'll change anything. You know, you'll still be a slave to a state, but... right. I think that we will see a real splintering of the nation worse than the Civil War. And whether it's violent or not, I I have no idea. I pray that it's not a violent break, but we all, I believe, pray that it's not a violent break. But we don't always get what we want, and we unfortunately need to be prepared for the worst. Agreed. Agreed. But I do think realistically, probably some point in the next 10 years or maybe by the time we have kids or something that we'll see things kind of break apart and the old Uncle Sam finally go from being a living, breathing bastard that wants to screw you over to being a dead bastard that wants to screw you over. Hmm. Yeah, man. You know, it's funny. I was getting... Just on the on the topic of networking, I think I'm going to do something kind of off off the cuff here. But I got a call from my my infamous weed guy. Hell yeah! And uh, he's been on the show a couple times, so we're going to have a guest spot. Bro, you're 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 live on the air right now. FYI, Doctor Green Doctor Green Dust in the in the studio vicariously. Oh. Yeah, tapping on the phone, bro. When I answer bro you said this is clear is this a clear line bro it is not a clear line you are on a podcast (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well uh i stopped by i picked up my shit bro i appreciate you leaving it out for me and i left the money in the back of the uh little little slot the little uh pouch oh hell yeah yeah. bro you want to hear a cool story yeah so this horse out here right i've been riding these won't switch his leads which is like the, the lead but that you run in okay so i had him loping in a circle like running him right he didn't switch his leads well he fucking tripped and i fell and fucking he rolled onto my fucking ankle and shit so yeah i got like a pulled muscle in my arm and i got a big ass fucking ankle right now damn bro but it didn't break <sighs> no i don't think it's broke it's been icing that hard but well, yeah. it sounds like could have could have been worse, but fuck, bro. Yeah, it's just ranching, bro. Ranching. <laughs> this is just so on point with what me and my dude are talking about right now. Uh, you can't hear him because I'm on headphones, but my buddy Braden, you would you would you would get along with Braden. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I, anyways, I'll probably let you go, bro. But you still are you riding again tomorrow? How long is the show? Uh, I'm done for the night. I'm just uh, drinking whiskey and 
getting fucked up at the trailers tonight. I'm staying in uh, Cloverdale because I'm uh, trying to outsmart the popos, keep it on the down low. You know what I'm saying? Bro, bro, I still have the fucking, <laughs> I still have the fucking camper hitched up. Maybe I'll swing over there tonight. Bro, yeah, if you're out here, for sure you should. Is there Give room? Is there room oh, where you're at? Damn, bro. Like for me and my camper that I could just pull right in next to you? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. It's every ball. Everybody's leaving tonight, so there's plenty of room. You guys come out. Fuck, man. Get paid or something. Shoot. I don't know how many people are going to be here, but we got some plans with some peeps. You can come out. Enjoy it, too. Well, man, I'll let you know. I may or may not. <laughs> But, so, that, but that'd be funny something you like out here on this morning, fellas. So. Really? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I might Let's see you. Check a... the IDs, bro. Just check the IDs. <laughs> Shit, bro. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bad. He's a bad motherfucking influence, dude. He's a bad influence. All right, man. All right, man. You uh, you have fun either way. I'll let you know if you're gonna see me or not. All right, bro. Peace. Love... All right, peace, bro. <laughs> uh, hell, man. I mean, having to check their IDs is better than what happened to me last time I was with a girl, man. Uh, you're gonna have to elaborate. <laughs> yeah, I figured. So, um, met this girl off a of tender. Yes, it's a terrible place. I know. It's where my uh, hopes and dreams go to die. And <laughs> so, goes really well. First date. Go back to her place. And 3 a.m. I'm still a little tipsy, and um, I've just. I'm still basking in the light of her refrigerator. I just drank some gallons, some milk straight out of the jug, and then um, standing in her pantry, fridge door still open, I'm lit up. I'm just eating goldfish just straight out of the carton. That that should have been my first heads up. I was like, oh, man, maybe she just likes goldfish. Like, oh, whatever, it's goldfish. It's 3 a.m. I'm still tipsy. It's good. And... Oh, I'm no. standing there oh, in my no. underwear. I can see where this is going. Okay, go Cause, on. Because <laughs> I think I'm alone. <laughs> and At least I you were in your underwear, brother. At least you were in your underwear. Thank God. Uh-huh. And I feel this little hand grab at my underwear. And Jesus you know like in, Christ. That yeah. would scare the shit out of me. Yeah. You know like in Tom and Jerry when Tom gets scared and he just like screams to the ceiling and it's just like latched on, claws and everything. <laughs> yeah. That was me. Yeah. I I was up there and after I scraped myself off with a spatula, like there's this kid there, man. Yeah. And you know yeah. that that's something that you would have expected to have come up in the conversation at some point. Yeah. You would think and uh... Then I started feeling like a piece of shit because I was like, oh my God, he just heard me and his mother. Mm-hmm. So I left. You just bailed? You just... Yeah, like I grabbed my clothes and I was gone. Yeah, man. Well, shit, uh, she probably should have given you the heads up, man. She probably should have given you the heads up. Like, hey, there's another person in this house. FYI. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, there was a silver lining to come out of it. I mean, I was constipated when I got there. But, I mean, I was regular as prune juice by the time I left. Jesus, fuck. <laughs> Good thing I had Taco Bell napkins in the car. Between you and Dr. Green Dust, man, I swear. I, my, my fucking friends are all a bunch of goddamn degenerates, and I fucking love it. I, I love mean, it. could you imagine having a bunch of saints as friends? Mm. 
Well, the funny thing I is, we're to- all the most righteous motherfuckers I know. I mean, I hate to sound self-righteous, but like, I don't know, man. People that aren't like our brand of degenerate, I, I just find a little bit a little bit irritating at this point. Oh yeah, my uh, I love my roommate to death. He's one of my he's one of my best friends in the world, and I've known him since high school. And him and his sister play D and D in my group, and they they are just some of the like most like even though like she smokes weed and is a lesbian and stuff there like some of the most goody two shoes type people and my best friend that he plays with us too and we'll get a little sidetrack little special interest tismy moments and Got it. Just sometimes t- it devolves just into touch, like touch of the tism Sorry, go on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes it just devolves into like these five, ten minute, just like off the cuff comedy sessions. Mm-hmm. And we did about ten minutes ripping on Uvalde one night. Oh, man. I'm sure that got, and, that got fucking terrible. I'm sure it was god awful. The words should not be uttered. Not on the air, at least, but they were funny <laughs> as hell. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I just saw something recently that was like, if you don't hang out with people whose whose words should not be uttered, you're hanging out with the wrong people. There's <laughs> something along those fucking lines, man. And it's true, man. Yeah. Like if you and this has really bit me in the keister with friendships and relationships before this. Like they tell you, Oh yeah, I've got a really dark sense of humor and then they actually experience dark humor and they're like, Oh, that's not funny, is it? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny how low of a tolerance people have for like even just a little bit of a dark joke. Okay, so (laughs) I was at a friend's uh, my best friend's sister was getting married. Okay, okay. You you don't normally go to your friend's sister's weddings necessarily, but like he's my best friend. And so I was I sat down and, you know, my sister and her husband are there because my sister and my buddy's sister were, were pals as well. And uh, everybody else there, you can, just, you can just tell this is the miscellaneous table. You know, there's always one. There's always one. You know, it's like all the other tables. It's like, it's like little groups that know each other. You know, there's all like so and so you know, cousins. There's all the so-and-so's, you know, fucking aunts and uncles. There's all the you know, like family, friend, adults. And here's all the like 20 to 30 to 40 somethings that don't belong anywhere else. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I it's like, here I are sit- my sorority friends. Here are my D and D friends. Here are my work friends. Uh-huh. Well, and it was like, I, I just said it after we all introduced ourselves, like, how do you know them? And I, you know, I think I was the last. So I, of course, like being the fucking ham I am. I take full advantage of being last and I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm Mike, blah, blah, blah. But it, you know, I just got to say, we're, we're the Island of misfit toys over here. ain't we? <laughs> and I got like nothing. I got nothing, Aww. man. I got nothing. People were just like almost offended. I was like, Oh my God. Okay. Chill out. Y'all we're like, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna keep drinking, you know? <laughs> It's a good thing you didn't sing the song. Yeah, yeah. I, I I couldn't I couldn't remember the song if somebody had a gun to my head, but uh maybe you could remind us. How's it go? 
God forgive me for singing on the air, just singing to begin with. No shame on the Easy Peasy podcast. Yeah, my parish priest once told me when I was still believing in religion that, Son, God blesses certain people with the gift of song. He did not bless you with it. <laughs> Maybe you should just mouth the words to the hymns. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's like, here on the island of misfit toys. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I should have sung it. I would have I would have if I had known it. Yeah. I'm sure it goes on, but. Oh, yeah, it goes on. But gun to my head, I couldn't remember the rest of the words. Okay. Well, it's more than I knew. But it was, it's just like, it goes to show like normies, man, fucking normies that just like, can't even take a, a little bit of a joke at, like, and a pretty harmless joke at that. But it's like, I was kind of poking fun at all of us and people yeah. didn't, people didn't like it. And that dinner, I'll, I hate to say it. It kind of, it, it in some ways devolved, man, because I was sitting next to my, it was, it, I was sitting next to my sister and I was a little bit drunk. And I just started talking about mom and like, and like whatever, however I was feeling about things with the folks and like, but making jokes the whole time, but being like way too honest, right? I was making everybody else a little bit uncomfortable with my brash honesty. You know, I was like, I mean, it was, it was all harmless stuff when I say I was talking about mom, like, you know, I'm sitting next to my sister. Yeah. I'm just making fucking jokes. Right. And, uh. But it was like, I got to the point where I think my sister got a little bit pissed at me. She's like, shut up. I'm like, I'm just having fun over here. <laughs> Look, I got a pity invite. I'm yeah. going to make the most of it. I was like making jokes all over the place, bro. It was, I was in rare form. Uh, I, w- I was just, you know, I wasn't totally fucked up, but like. I was in rare form. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So my uh, my first night in my apartment here, my best friend, God love him. He's he's a bad influence. He because uh, when he decides he wants to drink, everyone else is going to drink. Mm-hmm. He's like, so are we getting lit tonight. And I'm like, well, I mean, we can. Mm hmm. And he's like, but how lit are we getting? Like, should I call the missus and tell her I'm not making it home? Mm-hmm. Probably. Probably. So I've had like half a bottle of whiskey. God knows how many beer. God knows how many of those sad things they call seltzers. And, <laughs> and just a sidebar. I'm not a fan. Those taste like sad. They taste terrible. And I'm, I liked the meme. Yeah. I saw a meme where it said, uh, you know, my, my, my seltzer seemed to lack some body and flavor, so I decided to add malt and barley to it, and it's just a picture of a fucking beer in a glass, you know? It's true, man. Yeah. And I've determined, I made this decision and declaration at Schilderberg that seltzer is the LaCroix of the alcohol world. Mm-hmm. It's like we took oh, yeah. a vodka soda and we set a watermelon next to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hoping that they would exchange essences. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. But anyways. We're, si- <laughs> we're sitting there, we're getting bombed. It's me, best friend, Rumi, Rumi's sister. And I realized I had a bottle of mead from Agora in the fridge. Nice, nice. And so I pour up a glass for everybody and then I just take the rest of the bottle and start going. 
and no one else liked it. So I ended up having the overwhelming majority of the bottle to myself. Oh, what people don't like, people don't like good mead. That's terrible. No, but I, I had a, I had a tasting and it was fucking great. Yeah, it was to I'm die. Not usually, I'm not usually like a wine guy, but you know, it's just cool when it, when it's somebody that, you know, who crafted it, you can take the time and appreciate it in a way that I think people who are even just one degree of separation away it's like they couldn't care less yeah and, and if you know you know if you know the sort of philosophy of agora mead it's uh or agora brewing i should say right yeah yeah cool. and so it it ended with me projectile vomiting off of the balcony of my apartment but uh -oh. you know you brought up a really important point with supporting your friends, supporting people who are like-minded, supporting people who are in similar networks. And I'm going to plug him. I'm not going to drop his name because he doesn't know I'm doing this and I'm going to protect him as much as I can. But there was a fellow this year at the Berg. You might've met him and he had his own that his grandpappy made. Hmm. That was pretty damn good, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did have and some. I've been uh, informed that there may or may not be some more next year. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But I've got a jar of his strawberry preserves in my fridge mm. that I'll put on just about anything. You know, I do almost get nervous, and I almost question whether or not we should talk about Childerberg too damn much but everybody else is very open about sort of what Childerberg is when they, you know I've been listening to other people's podcasts because I'm kind of like what's the protocol here you know how how much are we gonna announce how we do things down there and uh yeah. I say fuck it man like even if we have to eventually change venues because the host gets cold feet or something like that um you know I just I almost think that we are so far off the radar by nature of who we are that we are just like, we're not being watched. Maybe I'm wrong, but like we are, everybody's being watched. Don't get me wrong. But like, I don't think we've really popped up too much because we're not anything too organized or, you know what I mean? Like we're, no, a we're, we're a handful of podcasts. We're people who talk to each other through like various forms of social media and um, we don't have a banner, you know, except maybe the big A. Yeah, and that's about it. There's not really much organization to it. It's kind of do whatever you want when you want to do it. Yeah, there are a couple of like events type things planned. But outside of that, everyone's doing their own thing. Some people make their own programming. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about it, that you have all this variety in that outside of, you know, facilities and stuff, the organizers don't really have to worry about building programming. Mm -hmm. They just have to worry about funding and facilities and things. Mm -hmm. And I do agree with you about, oh, how much can we really talk about what we do out there? And I think certain degrees of vagueness in the names of protecting certain people is appropriate. Right. But well, like the reason I brought it up is because the moon, the moonshine specifically, like I, I wouldn't want to get anybody 
in the spotlight. But as long as they are um, not announcing it the way, you know, some people might with other goods or services, if they're just selling it, you know, out of a cooler, real laid back, like who gives a fuck? And if there, you know, it's like, I, I do worry that there would be some kind of uh, like just an ATF kind of issue. And it could start off as pretty minor, like, oh, just a couple of officers. And and then all of a sudden they look around, they're like, what the hell is this? Like, we need to shut this shit down. You know, I think the best thing we could do is what what would we do? What would what would we do? So you uh, naturally know that there are the <laughs> probably about half of the people there brought their kit with them. Yeah, and, so, and and a lot of folks carried a sidearm even when they, you know, just like not, you know, they weren't kitted out, but people yeah. were armed. People were armed just throughout the day and had kids at the ready. It's true. Yeah, I, I don't think that it would go well. I think that it would initially be a very peaceful like, hey. Like, we're cool. We're just doing our thing. Like, don't, don't we're mind cool. Us. We're not hurting anybody. Fuck right off. Mm-hmm. But they won't like the to issue... hear. They won't like to hear. Fuck off. No, that's, that's where you know a little diplomacy might go a long way if necessary. I would hope that um, certain people might. You know, I can think of one in particular who's kind of uh, you know he seems like a diplomatic kind of guy who could maybe just diffuse right. But if they say, fuck you, we're coming back with the whole goddamn cavalry. Right? Oh, yeah. That's when I think if a threat like that was issued, that it wouldn't it wouldn't go very well. Yeah. I can't really but, imagine most of those guys deciding to retreat. Yeah. And as far as I know, the individual mentioned is not planning to sell his shine, but he is mm-hmm. just bringing it for personal consumption. His share. Of course. Of course. Just like we do with all alcohol, <clears throat> homemade or otherwise, at Childerberg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We share. We share. And sometimes we, you know, trade or barter. Yes. But like, call it whatever you want. It's sharing. It's sharing. Yeah. There's a lot of mutual benefit. There's a lot of... Uh, what I'd call mutualism, and it's a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. Nobody else's goddamn business. That's the whole thing. It's up to I you. made a. Sorry, go while, on. While I was hanging out with BR and his crew at the Berg, I made a couple of Kropotkin references and got hit a couple times with, oh, God, it's an Ancon. It's like, no, 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 no. Who's, just... who's, who's that? I don't even know. Uh, Peter Kropotkin was a Russian anarchist and he's the father of anarcho-communism okay and mutual aid is one of his big theories Mm -hmm. so i thought that was kind of interesting that you just organically brought it up well mutualism is not the same as um anarcho-communism i don't think i you know anarcho-communism to me just sounds like sounds like hey you want to live in a commune go for it you know, I want to live in a place with open commerce, not not a um, mutual aid agreement. You know, I want I want mutualistic commerce, not not some kind of I sign into the contract, the social contract of this community 
and I do X oh, number yeah. X number of hours for X number of shares of the of the spoils. Like that's not my style, but <clears throat> mutualism is not a, mine either. Mutualism is an observation of, of ecology that says there's only three kinds of interactions between species. And I apply it to human interactions. I think it applies. You can either have parasitism, meaning you know, parasite host, predation, predator, prey, or mutualism mm -hmm. in which both parties benefit, which is way more common in nature than you might initially imagine. We all think about like tooth and claw, like survival of the fittest, but there's more cooperation in nature than you might imagine. There's cooperation and competition, you know? So that's my little nature ecology spiel. But yeah, yeah man, I think, uh, I think Childerberg is the closest thing I've ever seen to a functional anarchist society. And the fact that it's temporary means that it's easy to hold together, right? It's easy. There's not, yeah. we didn't have to address the big questions of how do we, make this sustainable this was never meant to be sustainable this is a two three day event and um so the, the question should be though how do we take lessons from events like childerberg and apply them towards our hypothetical enclaves right and i think it's it's a great fucking time and you can learn a fuckload by going to these kinds of events you know it is it's oh, almost yeah. like a drill it's a it's practice there is so much <laughs> that you can learn there that it's not even funny that mm -hmm. you know you can talk to guys that like you that grow most of their own food you can talk to don't give me too much credit i do not grow my most of my own food not yet but i i want to well, you're on the path, and that's something. Right, right. And then... Ideally, I'd like to grow more food than I can eat. You know, enough to share. Yeah. Then right. you can talk to uh, fellas like the uh, gentleman who had the uh, pirate box. He was set up pretty close to you. Yep, I did talk to him, yeah. Yeah, that was a really cool dude. So yeah. you have this great intermingling and exchange of knowledge over three days mm -hmm. between tech guys gardeners ranchers gun guys i was about to say warriors war like i mean gun guys is an understatement for some of these dudes some of them are hard motherfucking core man they are warriors they are elite warriors some of them oh, yeah. were trained as such you know and some are self-taught but like it's no fucking joke to these guys Right. And then, you know, after we met, I think this, uh, our relationship has been probably one of the coolest ones for me to come out of Childerberg. Mm. That, you know, your introduction to me of the concept of the polymath, mm. that I always had this idea of what I believe the educated man should be, that I looked at it from like, the pretty much the university model until the 19 like until the early mid 1900s that it was you were well-rounded and well-versed in all aspects of life but then it became okay 
you're only a specialist in your field instead of you have great and varied knowledge on everything and you can openly speak about it. And I'm glad to see that we're moving back towards that because yes, it's great that you're a uh, biology major, that you're a astrology major, that you're a business major, that you're whatever major if you're in university. But it's at the end I of the day, that's all think... you know. I don't think they do astrology majors. I, I only mean to cut you off, but uh, because it's a funny concept, because it actually almost I could see it happening. Astrology is all the signs and the you know yeah. whatever, um, but I can almost see it at this point in the state of things at the colleges that they would have a major in astrology. Um, fuck, man, I totally cut off your role though. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. I can pick back up, but it's. That we have become so focused, and you see it a lot at, on social media, and to some degree you can see it at Childerbury if you look close enough, that you have a lot of gun guys that they only really know about guns. They don't know about gardening, mm -hmm. or you have tech guys that don't really know about guns, or just any intersection that causes issues that okay yes if you don't have that guy in your crew you need to become that guy you need to have that specialist knowledge of things to be able to work with it and be able to help out go okay yes i know how to do this but by just focusing on oh i really like guns so i'm gonna learn everything i can about guns mm -hmm. yeah it's helpful but if everyone in your circle is only gun guys how much value are you adding yeah yeah at least <clears throat> without without connecting with other people in other areas of specialty you know i've heard i think it's jack spearco's thing uh, do you listen to the survival podcast it's on my list i've got you should see my spotify podcast i've got oh, like man. 20 that I want oh, to start listening to and about five that I regularly do. You do. I feel that. I feel that. I kind of jump in and out of things with certain podcasters. He's one of them because he, he puts out five a week. Um, oh, I'll, I'll just look at the titles and be like, oh, that sounds interesting. I used to listen to every goddamn episode. Uh, but he always says he's the one that kind of put the word polymath in my head. And I went on his show a couple years ago and we talked at length about what it was to be a polymath. Uh, I believe you could still find that if you go to the survival podcast website and search my name, uh, Mike Whistler, Michael Whistler, whatever. Um, and it'll come up, but <clears throat> it was a really good chat. And he said something about, you know, I think, uh, it was like the whole Jack of all trades, master of none. Like that's an okay, um, view of what a polymath can be, but what's better is, a jack of many trades, master of a couple, right? Yes. I think that's what we should strive for. So yeah, pick out like two or three things that, because I mean, unless you are some kind of like savant at, at something and that should be the one thing you focus on, I think you need at least two or three disciplines to be a well-rounded person. Like, like disciplines, like, you know, I think more of us ought to get into, I keep, I keep bringing it up and I haven't fucking done anything about it yet, but martial arts, man, like 
we need to start training uh, for for hand to hand combat as much as anything else. So yeah, I mean, hand to hand combat, like profici- proficiency with firearms, you know, the ability to garden, and like whatever else interests you, whether it's woodworking or you know fucking pottery. Like who gives a fuck? You know, if it's if it's useful and you end up with something as a result, I think it's worth pursuing what I think we should stop doing is wasting our fucking time and lives on like entertainment. You know, not that all entertainment should be avoided, but like let's turn off the TV and like, you know, watch a movie once a month. Right. Like that's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, if you want to be entertained, like go see a local band play somewhere public and like meet some people, you know, you don't have to be constantly training to be making your time like productive, right? You can be productive by being social or by being just like out and about, man, like feeding off the energy of the life around you. I fear that a lot of our community kind of gets sucked into the trap of like doomsday. Um, and we forget to like, just live. Like I try to advocate, you know, as much as I think, think I'm a prepper like my preps are pretty lacking (laughs) you know I don't have a very good like food store and I you know my my ammunition is like nothing I got like five boxes of ammo you know and uh but like my I always say my prepping doesn't have to look like your prepping my prepping is in these connections I've made and the people who who both trust and sort of depend on me and that I could depend on if I asked you know so Because in the grand scheme of things, if we do have that, oh, gigantic doomsday moment, that almost Shakespearean image of it that we have created in our minds, that when that comes, if you are, if you're alone and you don't have a network or you don't have any kind of connections that of people that you can be with and work with. All truth and honesty, how long are you going to hold out? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you've only got so long that you can make it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's like, I think we really need to think about trying to, uh, fill some critical roles in our, in our small networks that we're talking about. You know, if you've got a buddy who's a friend, you know, a friend and is a, an MD, like, and he's halfway thinking that things are getting out of hand, you know, I can think of a couple that I know, you know, one of them li- lives in Texas, you know, it's like just having that guy you could call be like, Hey, what, like, what's going on? Like, can you help me out here? I just need to ask you about XYZ issue I'm having. And if they're willing to take that call because you've kind of like built the relationship already, um, they're going to, they're going to be happy to help you. But like every one of these communities needs a freaking doctor or at the very least like a, a hardcore medic, like, and, uh, you know, fill the blank, man. Like we need educators. We need, uh, we need farmers. We need soldiers. We need, I mean, I'm trying to think of like all the really essential roles, right? Mothers and fathers. Yeah fucking elders we need we need like 
it's traditional and, human human society is what we need to go back to and that's where the polymath is going to be very important is mm -hmm. in that village elder part and in that father part and as a leader really because that's that's what you're setting yourself up for as a polymath mm -hmm. that some people may not agree with me and that's their prerogative i don't care but my personal opinion is that as a polymath you're setting yourself up to be a leader because you are going to have that you know, we may joke and say that it's the tism now, but mm -hmm. in your specialties, you're going to have that knowledge that's going to be critical to pass down to next generations. That's going to be critical for exchanges between villages, between towns. Mm -hmm. And that is every bit as valuable as your farmer, your doctor, your spiritual advisor, your warrior. You know what we need? We need truckers. We need guys yes. that, that can haul goods to other like-minded people. You know, because maybe your community does textiles and mine does, I don't know. Um, we, we make fucking woven baskets. I don't give a fuck. Like, you name it. Like, but people will naturally um, barter and trade for things like, I just know at this point, it's like the writing's on the wall. These these supply chain failures are going to cascade. Like, oh, yeah. have you heard about what's going on right now? I posted about it shortly before coming on with you, but uh, these farmers in, in, in the Netherlands and in Germany and, you know, it's like they're, they're fed up and apparently they're going to go on some kind of strike, it sounds like. Um, and if, if the farmers, basically, they're just going to refuse to uh, to sell. Is what I heard, and like the truckers are with them. Like the truckers ain't going to haul it. Like they're 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 putting the screws onto the onto the country, saying you keep forcing all these crazy regulations on us in the name of climate justice, and you're literally taking the food off the shelves. We're just doing it now as a warning. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're going to do it for two weeks to prove the point that you need us, not the other way around. Farmers have a lot of power. Truckers have a lot of power. We've seen this. Did you happen to listen to that Canada episode, man? I got a little bit of the way through it today. I had yeah. some work for university that I had to get sorted out, and then I had a couple of things that needed sorting around the flat, but mm -hmm. I got in little bits here and there. But you're right about truckers having the power i listened to a uh, listen to a podcast probably six eight months ago that and it still is very fresh in my mind because of the power behind what was said that the fellow who was talking said that when you think about it if food and other goods are not coming into a city for three days that city enter starvation mode because that's about how long they can sustain themselves. If you look at something the size of Indianapolis, Chicago, uh, New York, Miami, Dallas, Knoxville, throw out any big city you want. They've got a three-day supply of whatever they need, but the minute those trucks stop flowing, that's it. Mm -hmm. So 
you're going to start seeing that with the truckers and farmers in the Netherlands and in Germany. You're going to start seeing that hit in... Uh, you're going to see it in Amsterdam. You're going to see it in Berlin. You're going to see it in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. And it's going to hurt. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. That is going to hurt like hell for those people. And what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to lock up all the truckers and farmers? Make your problem even worse? No, sir. No, sir. No. You know, I think these these groups, I hate to say it, you know, because I'm not like a big, I'm not a big protest guy necessarily. I've kind of like, I fluctuated on how I feel about sort of public protest, if it's really even worth doing. But when it comes to sort of these strikes, you know, it's where I can see the socialist um, sort of strategy working, right? Where it's like, we need to collectivize against the man. Yeah, like I kind of agree, but to what end? To what end, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I like what's happening in Amsterdam because it's all about food. It's all about, like, you need to get off the neck of the farmers and let us do our work. And um, it's just so funny because I bet you I'm one of a you know, couple fucking thousand. You know, you're one of a couple fucking thousand who even know about what's happening over there at the moment. And we only know, like, roughly what's happening but it's because they're not telling us that this is going on. You know, this is a hot topic that nobody wants to touch except guys like you and me. Cause we're not afraid to talk about what's actually fucking happening. We're not because afraid to actually, we're not afraid to actually grab a gun and go out and fucking stand in the street. Um, even though we need to be really fucking careful about when and how and where. Yeah. Don't turn into me kids. Yeah. I mean, your tale is a cautionary tale. Like, like I said, I did something similar. Nothing bad happened to me, but I can very easily see how shit goes sideways in a hurry. So not putting yourself in that position is probably the best course of action. You know, in the next spree of of, uh, protests and riots and shit, we have to really think about how and if we we take any kind of stand. Who are we taking a stand for? Who are we going to fucking bear arms for? You know, I hate to say it, but the, the bar owner that calls you, even though you might want to, you might have to say no, right? Like, unless they're a part of the network. Oh, yeah. It, that was a conversation that I really had to have with myself afterwards was, okay. Yes, my cause was just. Yes, what I did was technically the right thing, but looking at it, was it really worth facing five years of my life getting to hang out in prison? Maybe it was. Maybe it was. And, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe you can make a stand that's worth the five years without getting the five years if you're just clever enough to sort of um, react with patience, right? Like, we're all going to react. There's no way around a reaction when shit goes fucking sideways and people are getting fucked by the government. It's going to keep happening, man. And our emotional response is unavoidable, but we have to learn to be disciplined with our with our actions because we don't want to give them the upper hand by letting them take us, right? Letting them imprison us because that's exactly what they fucking want to do. They want to take out the people who are willing to take action and imprison them. And 
I will say, I haven't told anyone this other than my father and my best friend, but it, it's a good time for it to come to light. If the state had elected to actually imprison me for my actions, I fully intended to go on hunger strike. Mm, mm. Now, granted, I probably would have lasted a while, but... Well, hey, man, maybe uh, the bear the bear has stored fat for a reason, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I would have... Um, I would have hoped that had you had you gone through that, you would have had the fortitude to stick to it a while. You know, that's a brutal thing to do to your own body, and um, and it's not easy. And I wouldn't have I wouldn't have held it against you if you you know did it for a week and and folded because like, however Gandhi managed to do that, mind over matter, that's brutal. Um, you know, hunger is real, and uh, it's what they. That's why food is so fucking important, man. That's why food is so fucking important because it's how they control you when it all comes down to it, the money and the food, you know? And I, I had fully intended and mentally, spiritually prepared myself to strike until death. That, Mm. that was the degree of dedication that I had to my belief, to my cause. And the day that, uh, the day that I was let out of uh, the jail that I posted bond, got out, that was a very important day to me personally, not just for the, uh, not just that I was out, but because of the historical significance. Not to tie it back to our uh, dear friends on the other side of the pond that don't much care for the British, but... Uh, the day that I got out was the day that Bobby Sands died after 66 days of hunger strike in 1981. And that meant something to me coming out that it was the day that I got out and it was the day that he got out. Not that I consider myself to be anything like him because he was a fantastic man, but it really stood out in my mind and meant a lot to me that that was kind of where the old me who believed that there was the option for a statist solution to work. That entire part of me died that while I was in jail. Yeah. Wow. Fucking hell, man. Well, like I said earlier, it's, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Um, Glad you're not locked up because we need you. We need everybody, everybody we can get that we can trust who isn't going to, you know, it's like I <laughs> was kind of halfway proud of the post I said where I was like, when the stormtroopers come, are you with Luke and Han or are you going to pull some Lando Calrissian bullshit? Like, I love that, man. <laughs> it's it's just so true, man, because I know some folks who would pull a Lando you know, with with just the littlest bit of pressure on them from above, they're gonna they're gonna turn their friends and neighbors in, and you know I'm just I'm fucking dreading that day, I really am. Um, but I think it's coming, you know, and I just know they're gonna they're gonna say some shit like, "Hey, we are cracking down on domestic extremism. Call this hotline." 
and tell us about who you know who might be a domestic extremist. And people will call, man. People will call. They will turn each other in. That's why I'm like seriously considering being capable and ready to go dark. When oh, I yeah. See, when I see that fucking message flash across the fucking TV, I am gone for a while, man. And I hope that we've got the radios up and running by then and we can talk without yeah. without being necessarily heard. Of course, radio is not fully secure either, but there's ways, you know, we got to we're, we're going to have to have code. We're going to have to have fucking snail mail, man. There's going to be the the next just like you know, Minutemen, we're going to have the goddamn Pony Express, except it's going to be guys in freaking, you know, fast cars. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I'm dead fucking serious, man. I'm dead fucking serious. It's just, it, the writing is so on the wall, it's not even funny. And, honestly, if, if you're listening to this, and you can't see the writing, if you haven't seen the writing and you're just willfully ignoring it that's what you're doing at this point you're choosing to ignore the writing on the wall you're choosing to say no the state is still alive and well they still have permanent control over everything i'm not responsible for my own self my own safety my own destiny and you are just ignoring the fact that now more than ever is the time to start focusing on how to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, you may think, oh, I've got an apartment, I've got a house, I've got a farm, I've got a ranch. I know how to take care of myself. If you're still relying on the government for everything, you don't know how to take care of yourself. And please, I say this as a potential friend, treat this as your wake-up call. I'm not saying you have to go out immediately and buy a year's worth of food, buy a year's worth of water, buy all the guns, all the ammo, all the kit so that you can LARP like a cool guy. No. Never financially ruin yourself for something like this. Do what you can as you can. I'm change pretty your, sure that's what you do. Change your position a little at a time, right? Yeah. You, know, you got to improve your position. And I, 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 everything you just said resonates, man. Well said, you know. Thank you very much, Mike. And it's something that I wholeheartedly believe that, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's what I do. Whenever I have extra disposable income that it's not going to rent utilities, food, groceries, gas, or the little bit that I set aside for entertainment every month. Mm-hmm then it's going to improving my situation in terms of preparedness. Like, it may not always be going towards building a food store. It may be like, okay, I need to upgrade this firearm in this way. Like, a few weeks ago, I realized that I didn't have a good bush knife. So, and this is a good example of why you should help your friends. Mm -hmm. I contacted a friend that's a bladesmith, and he made me that. Beautiful. So, yeah. that's... Always find little ways to improve yourself, and if you can support your homies along the way, even better. 
even fucking better. Even because if, it costs, build your if it costs twice as much. Yes. Do it. Do it. Build the relationship. Show fucking loyalty, man. Exactly. And that's that blade for me. That cost probably twice what it would have cost if I had bought any other knife. Mm-hmm. That was similar style, similar length, whole nine yards. But that's my boy. I got to support my boy. Mm-hmm. And that's like with my tattoo artist. Yeah. He charges a little more, but he still cuts me a deal because he's my boy. Mm-hmm. That's a relationship. That's a good network to have. Mm-hmm. And I've had this conversation with some close friends and some family members who are very upset about the Roe v. Wade decision that they they've been talking oh i'm going to build a network and we're going to help people go underground and get these procedures done underground and you know fair play to you i undermining the state hey do it but and i'm not saying reject their authority i'm saying negate their authority Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they have no power over you unless you give it to them but don't say, hey, I'm building an underground network to do something that Big Daddy government considers a naughty no-no. And we're just doing it behind your back. But here I'm posting about it on social media. Be smart. That ties back into the OPSEC that you were talking about. Well, it's it, that's a struggle I'm having right now because I'm choosing very much to put myself out there. And like, because I believe that it's a message worth sharing. And I feel no need to be anonymous about it. But when it comes to the ease of getting my address or my phone number, um, I'm thinking I need to maybe play it a little smarter than I have and shit like that, man. And um, even though Big Daddy government can probably still find me, I don't want the nut job leftist who thinks I'm a fucking neo-Nazi, even though I'm the furthest thing from it, uh, coming down to my place and fucking capping me right there for no goddamn reason you know that's the kind of shit i'm almost more concerned about is the way people will turn on each other um instead of turning against their their shared aggressor you know it's it's really that's the that's the scariest part um i don't even know if they need to send the stormtroopers if if they can just get us to i don't know turn each other in and shit and that's happened a few times to me at my university is that I've, you know, been sitting there, I've been eating my lunch, or I've been in class or whatever, and people have recognized me from the thing. And a couple of times it's been like a, hey, like I get it, I'm on your side, shit sucks, homie. But a few times it's turned into a individual screaming at me about how I'm a neo-Nazi Al-Qaeda member, which, uh, the t- and that was a direct quote. I've been called a Are neo-Nazi you Al-Qaeda me? member. Are you I swear. Me? I swear. I mean, your, your grasp on geopolitics is tenuous. Yeah. <laughs> and I was sitting there, like it completely took me out of the conversation with that person that was screaming at me because I was like, oh my God, a neo-Nazi Al-Qaeda member. How does do that even, work? Where do I even go from that? Um, how how do I begin to respond? <laughs> you know? yeah. 
and to this day, it's one of the while more idiotic, more creative insults that I've been hit sure. with. Sure. I don't know how creative it was. I think it was more just word vomit, you know, like I think, I think people like that. They have their little fishbowl of words that just come tumbling out at random. It's not creativity. <laughs> not to Daydream. correct you, not to correct you, but it is, a, it is, it's, that's what I, I'm, I'm, I'm distinguishing being between it being clever and being funny. I think it's very funny, but I don't think it was terribly clever. <laughs> They just have the little bingo cage of insults that they roll around and yeah, just man. yeah man neo Nazi yeah you fascist like how can I be a fascist bro I'm an anarchist like suck my dick <laughs> like and, you don't understand anything do you you know and uh. I had I've had that conversation with one of my professors before last semester that we were going back and forth we were talking about the war in Ukraine. And that's a shit show, isn't it? Fucking hell. And I was saying, you know, I don't think that it's our job to get involved to fuck with it at all. Like, that is, that's their ranch, their cattle. Don't mm-hmm. bother it. Mm-hmm. But if you, as the individual, want to go out, take up arms, and go fight for them, that's your prerogative, and I support you entirely. Please yeah, go. Yeah. Be my guest. You are... You're doing what you feel is right, mm-hmm. and you are not being coerced by the state to do it. Mm-hmm. But, and then it got into a conversation about voting and how I believe that voting is essentially, and I said this verbatim, I said, when you are voting, you are acknowledging that you are going to get raped, but You're you are essentially choosing which kind of cocktail you want to have afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. and so what's the point and this really set the professor off because apparently that's not an appropriate analogy for a university classroom oh of course and, of course, of and course. neither is it appropriate to say that we should not be involved in the war in ukraine and wow, wow. he goes well it sounds to me like you're just advocating for anarchy and i go yeah. you're right i am and he wasn't expecting that Mm-hmm. And he could not get back on track because, because you broke his brain a little bit. You 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 destroyed his argument by agreeing with his final statement. Yeah, I am an anarchist. What of it? Keep it coming, motherfucker. Let's keep talking. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? and it got weird for me because he didn't recognize I was an anarchist because I'm. Like, I've been wearing my battle jacket to class, and I've got a whole bunch of anarcho-punk bands listed on it. I've got, like, the Dead Kennedys. I've got Crass. i got Black Flag, Fugazi. And he clearly didn't pick up on it. Mm-hmm. And then when I hit him with that, he was just like, oh. It's like getting cold water splashed on his face. Yeah. I've been sitting right in front of you this whole fucking time, man. Like, yeah. i think he was just waiting for me to admit it like he thought that i was ashamed of it or something i was like no i like on my laptop i've got like br is an arco betsy sticker the uh, peace is simple sticker peace autonomy liberty and then just the circle a on it and i you're not exactly being subtle there man like no i'm really not right right but you know, I've had people that they're like, oh, man, isn't like isn't anarchism like a really violent thing? It's like, no, 
not really the exact opposite um until 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 you violate my rights it's pretty peaceful yeah and you know not to plug him because god knows he's famous enough but uh, michael malice who did the uh, anarchist handbook Mm -hmm. he when i was reading that the first chapter titled hulk the anarchy i looked that up because i was like man that's an interesting quote i want to see where that came from and do you are you familiar with it no I, i i've yet to read his books it's funny i i almost like don't read anarchist literature because I assume I'll agree with it, <laughs> you know, but like, but I should, I should read some of it. If it's good, it's good. Right. So go on. Actually, wait, time out. I want another beer. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, this is going to be a long one. Y'all it's okay. It's okay. If you got nowhere to be in the next, I say let's, let's go another 15, 20, 30, whatever. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I've got nowhere to be. All right, brother. I'll be right back. <sighs> Okay, what was it? Hope yeah. the Anarchy or Hoke? What'd you say? Hoke the Anarchy. It's German. It essentially means up with anarchy. Okay. And during the uh, Haymarket labor riots in Chicago in the late 1800s, there was the anarchist scene was very active in it. And people were accusing the anarchist syndicate that was in Chicago of working with the labor unions and throwing bombs and setting off bombs in Haymarket to attack the police. Hmm. And in comes this immigrant called Louis Ling. And cops bust down his door one day and arrest him. They say, You've got bomb-making supplies. You planted this bomb that killed, like, four cops. And they haul him off. So they essentially have a kangaroo court trial for the man where they asked him point-blank. They said, did you plant this bomb? And he said, no, I did not. And they said, how do, you, how do we know that you did not plant this bomb? And he says, because I was at home making bombs. Whoa. <laughs> Just madman status. Whoa. And the honest answer. I mean, that was that was true. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So they give him the death penalty. Because you know the state always knows who's the right person to kill. Mm -hmm. Looking at drone strikes. And while he's awaiting to be hung. They, some of his friends sneak in a blasting cap for explosives, and he bites it down, blows off the bottom half of his face and jaw, and and then in his own, in his own blood, scrawls that on the wall of his cell before he bleeds out. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. And it's all, to me, it was like, that's dedication. It's fucking hardcore, man. Yeah. That is really fucking hardcore. Whoa. That's a man who said, I am not going to give the state the satisfaction of killing me. I'm going out on my own terms. Yeah, and I'll and I'll say something while I'm at it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I doubt he would he wouldn't have had the chance to pull a fucking William Wallace, you know, Mel Gibson fucking freedom in front of the whole crowd. No. He'd be electrocuted or shot full of something or, you know, in a quiet room with about three or four people looking at him and and that would have been the end of it. But 
Yeah, he did. He took back, took it back. Yeah. Wow. With with a little help from some dedicated friends who I'm sure knew exactly what he was going to do with that shit. Right. Yeah. He had the network. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at today in Ohio, a place which does not exist, as I've been informed. I, I've been there. I think it does. <laughs> no, no, some of my Childerberg friends have told me Ohio doesn't exist. That's a, that's hilarious, man. Some of these guys with their conspiracies are fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah it, I, I mean, does I mean, does Indiana exist? What's their argument there? It's just it's made up. It's fabricated. <laughs> I mean, if you uh, let well, me the, grab girl that, the girl that I was you know seeing in fucking Cleveland just didn't exist. <laughs> Hang on. I, I've still got it on my desk here. Let me grab it real quick. If you still have this piece of wonderful. Yeah. That's the, that's the, yeah. There's an ad on the inside of it. No, let me find it. It says right here where my index finger is VR tours of Ohio and other places that don't exist. Oh my God. These guys, they crack me up because I can't tell what's a joke and what isn't most of the time. You know, but I like, I just laugh at it all if it's funny. You know, I assume, I assume, I assume they're kidding about Ohio, but I, I don't, I don't rightly know. (laughs) But outside of the meme, and I don't know if you heard, but in Akron last week, the uh, pigs pulled over a black gentleman that was driving, doing his job. And I believe he was a delivery driver of some sort. And he darted. And they said that he shot at him, so they fired 80 shots at him and hit him 60 times in the middle of broad daylight. And, like, there are people out in the streets there, but you're not hearing it pushed in, like, national media. I only heard it because of... Yeah, they 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 were salivating for those kind of stories just two years ago. What about it no longer serves the narrative it's because um maybe they don't want people fighting against the authority anymore maybe that got a little too close to home oh yeah that's why um you started seeing all those news stories about the uh spicy b word being the uh, b double og being like oh they're neo-nazis they're yeah yeah all these things because we started cozying up with BLM and being like, hey, we have a mutual enemy here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Back when I was affiliated. Not See, yeah. anymore. But, yeah, well, I, I feel you there because it, it was attractive to me at the beginning um, as well. I think a lot of anarchists were out in those streets early on um, because it's like, yeah, fuck the pigs, man. And um, and. I had to grapple for a while. It's like, I didn't have the friends that I have now after, after, you know, I I've said it before. I'll say it again. Life after Childerberg ain't the same as life before. Like now I have people I can call and talk to about this kind of stuff. Um, but like, I was kind of wading through these waters on my own, trying to figure out if I should be ashamed for having participated in some of those protests. Right. Did I destroy anybody's private property? No, my moral standards would not allow for that. Did I hang out and watch? And did I 
stand on the line for a while and like take some tear gas and some rubber bullets like yeah but like i drew the line at destruction of property because that's against my moral fabric and and i had to grapple with it for a long time like did i contribute to something evil right because it it was hijacked and it was manipulated and it was in some ways uh evoked and i think it gave the state more power instead of taking away power but it was a defining moment in like i think it probably solidified a lot of people in their anarchism and made them awfully skeptical of the fucking leftists even though we have a mutual enemy i i've seen this argument play out a bunch of times in uh in comment sections which i don't normally go in for but occasionally they they you know they perk my interest and i've seen these debates between anarchists and communists where it's like it's like should we be allies and a lot of times the anarchists are just like well are you going to force me into another fucking state or are you going to mind your own business and let me go my own way like because it sounds like you're going to force me into another state and why should i even bother with you right like you and i we might have a common enemy, but we are natural enemies in, in our own right, or at least opposites, maybe not enemies, but opposites. And like, how long until you point your gun at me, Kami, you know, like, and say, you're not contributing to the collective. Fuck you. Fuck your collective. Like, it's, it's kind of, there, there's an impasse. And the collective, it makes me think about oh the the mighty social contract that we apparently all signed the moment we were either cut out of our mother's wombs or birthed or whatever and it's where did i sign on the dotted line that the state is entitled to rob me every time that i am paid the wages for my labor where does it say that they can rob me every time that I go to buy food, that I go to buy gas, that I do literally anything. I'm surprised there's not a goddamn breathing tax at this point mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that's when you think about it. Your well, tax, don't you, know, don't you know, we expel CO2, so they're going to put a carbon tax on you. Guarantee oh, it, guarantee right. it. They're going to calculate the average CO2 that comes out of your lungs and they're going to tax you for it. They'll probably tax you more if you smoke too. Oh and then, yeah. And then God forbid they find out that I fart. They'll probably give me a methane tax too. Yeah. 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 How far will we let them push it? That's the question. And I'm so of the agorist mindset of like, we got to kind of like play it smart and safe and separate entirely um, but they're not going to necessarily allow that. Part of me wonders if they're even going to bother with us. Excuse me. Um, because right now it feels like we're, we're pretty few in numbers and I might be underestimating our numbers, but, um, it's kind of like if, if there's 30 or 50 or a hundred little enclave communities, like I'm kind of imagining scattered throughout the country, you know, totaling no more than 10,000 people or something, are they even going to bother? 
but I think the, the, the issue is that our way of life will be so enticing to those that, that, that didn't believe us at the beginning, but as their life gets worse and our lives get better, they will want to change and we're not going to just let them come and take what we have built. Fucking build it yourself, asshole. Like, you know, we'll, we'll maybe help you along the way if you're serious. But I fully predict that like 20, 15 years from now, people are going to come just like clawing back, you know, like cr- crawling back like like hands out, like on their bended knee saying like, you were right. I was wrong. And I, I, again, I'm not like, I don't want, I don't want that. That's why I'm trying to tell people what's what right now. So we'll be ready. But like, I just, I kind of like have this image of like an old friend coming back 20 years from now and being like, please help me. And maybe I will, you know, maybe if I can, but like, Man, I just wish you'd have listened to me before. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> and could he could have used you these last 20 years, bud? Like, fuck, you know, and, and maybe I'm being unfair, but like I kind of just have that that image. No, I I don't think you're being unfair at all. It I very firmly agree with you that it is very much in the realm of possibilities that we will have old friends come up and be like, hey. I was wrong. I need your help. Mm -hmm. And I'm of the same mindset as you that if it's within the realm of possibilities for me, I will help. But Mm -hmm. you also need to acknowledge that you did this to yourself. Mm -hmm. And you need to earn the help. You need to be serious. You need to put the work in. You need to come with something to offer, frankly. The whole thing, this is like it's pervasive in the prepper sphere where like you're the you're the serious prepper and you've got all these friends that kind of are red pilled um, but haven't done anything about it and they're like well I'll just I'll come to your place and it's like fuck you, you know? man it's like what are you bringing like how much fucking food have you got like you want me to feed your ass no yeah fucking no like I I love you but I don't love you that fucking much you know that was a that's a conversation that I've had a lot of times that yeah. with friends or with coworkers and with classmates are like, Oh, well, no, you're a gun guy. Like you're, you're ready for this stuff. I think you're ready for this stuff. Like anything happens, I'll just come to your place. And it's like, no, no, you won't. You will not be welcome. Yeah. I can guarantee you that. Like if you show up empty handed, but with your hand out to me, I'm going to be incredibly pissed off mm-hmm. because nothing in life is free mm-hmm. and you need to earn it. You know, honestly, the thing to do would be, Hey, here's a fucking shitty old tent. Okay. You're going to sleep out in the woods on the edge of the property where I don't see you when I don't want to see you, but you're going to earn every morsel of food or every dollar that you get here. You're not going to get fed for nothing. You know, I'll give you one meal on the house tonight. Tomorrow morning, you get up and you get to work. You know, yeah. ideally, like we will be, we will have set ourselves up to be in a position to provide that for somebody. 
but there's a fine line between enabling and and empowering and you got to show a little tough love with these fuckers who were not there for you at the beginning right yeah I, you know it's like royalty has to be earned man i i hate to even admit it you know because it's a bit of a pie in the sky but not really i am genuinely maybe this close fuck pie in the sky man i've earned this shit i have opened up a dialogue with this landowner who've you know who i've mentioned already on the show where i where i've been camped the last two days and we started to discuss the possibility of a lease on his land for me to garden basically he has a garden ready to go but it's he can't maintain it anymore it's too old and uh what I'm going to do, and this is based on what I've kind of picked up on from, again, uh, Jack Spierko of the Survival Podcast. He talks about the benefit of of signing a 99-year lease when it comes to these kind of arrangements. Somebody that's towards the end of their life um, and they need, they need, you know, strong hands and a strong back to maintain the, the property that they've worked hard to build, right? This is called mutualism right here. So he advocates doing a 99-year lease for $1 per year. With the right arrangement, you can negotiate that. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm at the point where I could negotiate that because the mutualism would be the true value of the arrangement. Now, the, the lease is there to clarify this area of the property is now under my control. Like you can't, you can't object. You can't like be a helicopter, um, you know, landowner here. You have signed the lease. Like I am now in control of this space. You, you need to let me do with it what you will. And the reason Jack uh, talks about it like that is because as a permaculture person, you have to do things that are a little outside the box for most people. So if you you got a mouse in the house or something, man, what was that? No, man, I think either the people on the backside of my flat, they're either fighting, fucking, or they're so drunk, one of them's about to fall off the balcony. Shit, you're hearing some ruckus, eh? Well, I bet you they're drunk. It's the goddamn day before the 4th, but... Um, yes, we anywho, anywho, the point being, it's like... Uh, there has to be sort of an agreement of this is now my responsibility. And frankly, you have no say in the matter. Maybe you don't have no say, but like I'll take your, your concerns under advisement, but I'm the decider here. You're the decider there. Even though you still own the place, I am now leasing it. And the reason you're going to let me lease it for a dollar a year is because I'm going to feed you, you know, it's a pretty, pretty swell deal. Really? All, all you have to do is let me at it and let me reap the benefits of it. Um, you know, maybe sell some of it and maybe you can set up an arrangement where there's some kind of profit share. But frankly, I think if you can, this is the amazing part. And it took me working for this same guy for four or five years to earn the respect and the loyalty to show my loyalty, right? Because nobody is just going to let you live on their property for a dollar a year. No, unless they know that it's going to be a benefit to them. Right. So it's not charity. It's fucking mutualism. And that's an excellent point that you brought up about loyalty that mm -hmm. so many people believe that 
oh, well, we've been friends for X many months, or like, we've been acquaintances for X many years or whatever, and I get this occasionally, that, oh, you should let me do this because we're friends. And it's like... It only goes so far, bub. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Friendship doesn't pay the friendship doesn't pay the bills, and that loyalty that does take years of dedication to foster, mm-hmm. like to the point where you may know after a certain amount of time that's probably quicker than they'll know it that you're loyal to them, but how do you know that they're loyal to you? Well, they have if they've proven it. Over exactly time. over time it takes time it takes it takes it takes being there when when asked or called or at least at least trying to be there right so i've got the friends like doing my gardening thing who uh, have expressed like i've probably got eight or ten people who have expressed an interest in like hey man i'd love to like come out and help you on a job like kind of learn how to do what you're doing and I'll give every one of them a, a, a swing at it. And frankly, if you don't come the first or the second time I ask, you know, barring, barring like a, a really fucking good excuse, maybe I'll like try to work around your schedule. Hey, like, oh, you, you work full time. All right. I'll, I'll plan a job for a Saturday. Um, if they're not eager, if they're not actively trying to make it happen, if they're not asking me about it, you know, if I'm knocking at their door and they're not knocking back, I'm not going to keep knocking. Right. If that makes sense. I mean, no, it makes perfect sense. But there are those small select few who did, who showed up, who came out, who busted ass and who I know are fucking loyal. You know, it's small. It's a select few, but it's good to know. One of them lives in Chicago. Another one lives in Wisconsin now. Uh, another one lives down about two hours south of me. The three motherfuckers who showed up for me when I when I genuinely needed the help. And it's like they are going to be at the top of the list of the people who I trust. Oh, yeah. Because you know, they've proven it. Like for me, <coughs> my top list, my best friend, he's sitting at the top of the list mm-hmm. that he's been there for me through so much and... Not to jerk myself off on your show, but like, I've been there for him. Like, when his dad and his brother died, I was there. Mm-hmm. Whenever shit went squirrely, we were there for each other. And then one of my other closest friends, he broke up with his girlfriend. She kicked him out of the house. I let him crash in my place for a few days. Mm-hmm. It was during a big fucking snowstorm. I, I'm not going to see you freeze to death in your car yeah, yeah, because yeah. your girl was mad at you. It, like you said, you know when they'll knock and when you knock and you just got to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. But if you set out the opportunity and they don't take it, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, in some ways, man, like I've been kind of hard on, you know, some people in my life uh, with the shit that I put out there, like just recently in particular, I kind of like, I don't know, called out the fact that I'm getting um, 
whole lot of nothing from sort of some old buds. Uh, not all of them, but some of them. And we talked about this a bit last night. And uh, it's kind of like, man, we spent all those years being super tight. And then, like, I'm just, I'm hearing crickets at this point, man. Like, and it's a little bit disappointing at times. But I want to give them all a fair shake and give them time. Because I know we're all, like, figuring our shit out in different ways and in different paces. But um, I did. I had to block one guy. He was not one of my best pals necessarily, but he was in he was in the crew, right? He was in the crew. And um, and he just started being real fucking disrespectful, calling me a dumbass. You know, he's he's a hardcore leftist, you know, full blown commie. And uh, he just cannot accept that I do not see any merit in his argument. You know, I could still be friends with him if he'd chill out about it, but he will he will call me names and he will call me all, you know, he'll say all kinds of things to me trying to make arguments which frankly were not terribly coherent or logical, but it's like I got I got to the point and it hurt. It hurt because I'm like Man, I you know I'd like to sway you. I'd like to keep talking to you. We you know I I enjoy a spirited debate as much as the next guy, but you've disrespected me one too many fucking times for me to consider you anything remotely close to a friend. You know, yep. call me a dumbass once, shame on you. Call me a dumbass twice, shame on me. Blocked. Yeah, you know, I. I've got a few instances, if you're willing to hear that, from people that I was really close with when I was at A&M. Mm-hmm. That when you live with people in a really tight, almost barracks-like situation mm-hmm. for a year, you develop a lot of relatively close friends. And mm-hmm. one of them was this girl that lived right next to me that I converted to Catholicism while I was there. She was a Catholic, so we went to Mass together all the time. Cool. And we got really close because we liked a lot of the same crap. Like we listened to musicals and shit together. We went to the productions that the school put on. We weren't really romantically involved, but it was like, man, this is my sister. Like, sure, sure. And like got in a lot of bar brawls because people were mistreating her. Yeah, man. So I'm still not allowed. I'm still not allowed in a lot of bars in college station because (laughs) of that. But well, man, you, you were watching her back like a good man does, you know? Yeah. And so, like, we'd say I love you, but in, like, a family-related term, not in, like, a, hey, romantic, let's boink type thing. But we'd say that, and then, like, 2020, she just dropped off the radar. Like, she didn't talk to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was when I started, like, really breaking hard into liberty and stuff was late 19 early 20 and it was too much i lost a friend that that really hurt Mm -hmm. and then my outfit first sergeant that was my godfather when i converted essentially that he after i failed out of the college he didn't talk to me anymore Mm -hmm. and then he hit me up about six months ago and he's like oh hey i'm getting married in like it was like the week after childerberg he's like i'm getting married then i'm sending you an invitation what's the uh what's your address i just gave my address out of just out of sheer politeness politeness and yeah. 
he sent it to me. I didn't even RSVP or anything. Like, I hated this prick so much at this point. I was like, you don't talk to me for three, almost four years, and then, well, four years, actually, four going on five, and then you just want to send me an invite to your wedding and act like nothing happened? Mm-hmm. Like, that pissed me off. Then he texted me like a week before his wedding and he was like, hey, did you ever get my invite? I didn't hear back from you. And I was like, if it took you several months to notice that you hadn't gotten a reply, it wasn't that important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, and yeah, I mean, to address if anybody's thinking we're being like petty, it's like, no, just rethink the last two or three years. And if somebody was brave enough to speak against the common narrative and like you blocked them or whatever ghosted them because of it like what kind of friend are you you know and i've had varying degrees you know it's like some some friends will reach out to me after i post some hardcore shit out of like concern out of concern they're like hey man like just want to make sure you're cool like you're okay like um seeing what you're posting. Like, it seems like you kind of worked up. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of worked up, but like, I'm actually doing pretty good. Like, thanks for checking in or whatever. And then you get the ones that are like, haven't talked to you in a year or two and they just want to argue. Yeah. So there's, there's a difference there. You know, I'll take the concern. I'm cool with the concern. Cause yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm speaking my fucking peace, man. And, uh, not everybody likes the way I like to say it. Cause I like to say it as bluntly and quickly as, fucking humanly possible right economy of words i'm not trying to bore you i want to get my fucking point across and move on and it's funny because i say that knowing that i do these long string um like instagram stories where i really kind of like just go into a flow and like pick out a song and put text to it and like make a point and and i pay attention to who actually watches them to the end, right? It'll be like a hundred people at the beginning and like 30 or 40 at the end, right? The 30 and 40 are who I'm interested in. Even if I haven't talked to him much lately, if it's an old friend, it's like, okay, he's listening and I'll take a listener. Even if I'm not getting anything back, you know, I, I keep saying this thing about I'm getting nothing but crickets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a little like boys, like you want to grow a pair and like have my back already. Like I've been saying this shit for two plus years. You've been listening for two plus years. And like, I appreciate that you've been listening quietly and all, but it's about time to fucking jump off the fucking fence and join me or fucking, you know, I hate to say it, man. It's like join or die, man. Like I'm getting where these guys were coming from a few hundred years ago. Fucking join or die. Like I cannot have the empathy for people who will not like accept responsibility for themselves. You know, I will have more respect for you. If you make a decision one way or the other, mm. instead of riding the fence, mm-hmm. be hot or be cold because you are lukewarm. I spit thee from my mouth. Right. Precisely. Yeah. And I will say one of the, not really friendships that I lost. that hurt me the most, but it was like, I was friendly with the guy that he was in my outfit. He was a real Bible thumper type, you know. You're gay, you go to hell. You, you're pretty much anything other than a super straight person, like, hell. Like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched that show, Parson Rec, but they had this Venezuelan feller on there, and then it's like, believe it or not, straight to jail. 
like this guy, but with hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he hit me up, not this January, but the past January, after like three years of not talking to me. And he goes, hey, man, I heard about your arrest. I'm praying for you. Reach out if you want to talk. Oh, and by the way, do you still have my service shirt from freshman year? Oh, my God. That, wow. like, I had already covered, like, at the end of freshman year that I did not have. He just fucking lost his shirt and blamed it on me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can tell where your concern truly lies, you know? Yeah. But, and like, and you know what he's doing? He's stroking his own, like, ego as a, as a, as a less than true Christian. I hate to judge, but as a less than true Christian, he's punching his Christian card by saying, Hey, I'm praying for you. Oh yeah. Another punch for, Hey, if you want to talk, I'm here. But then it's all canceled out the moment. He's like, where's my fucking t-shirt? Yeah. (laughs) And in the realm of jack off phrases, I'm praying for you. That is yeah. the biggest jack off phrase to me. I really never, I never cared yeah. for it myself. It's like that if, if you, you are, if you are, thank you, but I, you know, just, just do it and don't brag about it. Yeah, just, and if you feel the need to pray for someone, you know what? That's your prerogative. Do it. I don't fucking care. Mm-hmm. But maybe they might be better off if you reached out and talked to them. Mm. Maybe if instead of going. Oh, I'm such a good Christian. I told you I'm praying for you. Punch your card. You know, every 10th prayer you get a free, free vision sandwich. in church or some shit. <laughs> you just get a sandwich. No, you get a, <laughs> you, get a cook, you get a cookie and a glass of grape juice. That's all. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But we're going to tell you it's Jesus's body and blood. Good luck. Mm-hmm. I don't mean <laughs> to disparage. I mean, it's like I, I know different sects do it differently. It seems like uh, the Eucharist is taken very seriously in Catholicism, which I appreciate, man. And like I, I've, I've become more interested in orthodoxy just because it's like it's the hardcore Christians, man. It's not it's not the it's not the posers, you know. Yeah, I um, all truth and honesty. Um, I'm at the point where everything that's happened to me and then a whole bunch of personal family shit that I will not mm-hmm. speak on publicly mm-hmm. just out of consideration for those affected it. um I'm not really sure what I believe, if I believe anymore, that it's just like, you know, I've kind of gone from, I need God to tell me not to be a cunt to, I'm just not going to be a cunt. Mm-hmm. Like it, I or should maybe, require a book to tell me not to be a maybe dick. I'm, maybe I'm not as much of a cunt as I was convinced I was, right? Like, oh, I'm, yeah. a flawed, I'm a flawed human, but I'm, I'm doing my best and I'm getting better. And like, I always struggled with the whole, like, I don't think I need salvation, right? Like the fact that you're telling me I need to be saved is kind of like victim mentality, right? You know, I, I've joked around a little bit or toyed with the idea of calling myself a, a lower C Christian, right? Like <laughs> lower, lower case Christian. Um, yep. You know, it's like the whole thing about like Jesus would have made one hell of a good Buddhist, right? There's some good like lines about that. And, um, it's like, you don't have to, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to tell anybody how to feel or how to think, but I think the whole concept of like accepting Jesus is, is kind of a cool concept. If you take it the right way, 
if you take it the anarchist way where it's like, yeah, I'm going to love my neighbor, you know, and I'm going to like, I'm going to do my best to not like, not be a shithead, like you said. And it's really not that complicated. Now, all the details are where people get mixed up, but like, I think Jesus would probably be a fun guy to just sit and drink a glass of wine with and fucking shoot the shit, you know, like I, I hope that's a fair depiction because whether or not he's the one true son of God is irrelevant. In my opinion, did he speak some truth or did he not? You know, I'm, I'm interested in his truth. If he had some truth. And I agree with you. He'd be a hell of a fun guy to sit down and have a glass of wine with, because think about it. His crew was a bunch of fishermen and laborers. So it was a bunch of blue collar guys like us. He was a goddamn carpenter, then, supposedly. So, I mean, rock and roll, yeah. man. Yeah. And then there was a whore. He mm-hmm. hung out with lepers. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't care. Like, if you were a righteous dude, he was chilling with you. Bingo. And so one of my favorite things to share with people is, so my mother grew up hardcore Baptist. Mm-hmm. She grew up not too far from Waco and like, Really like hardcore Bible thumping Baptist territory back in like the seventies, eighties. Mm-hmm. And they had to burn their records at one point because they weren't godly enough. Mm-hmm. And when I say not godly enough, I mean they had like goddamn Donnie and Marie. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the Rolling Stones, it was uh, you know, some pretty harmless type of stuff. Yeah, it was like Donnie and Marie, Bruce Springsteen. It was really, really harmless. Well, not and, that the Rolling Stones are that harmless. I guess I was imagining whatever. Who cares? Yeah. But I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't Marilyn Manson. <laughs> no. God no. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then they weren't allowed to dance because, you know, Dancing is close enough to fucking that you're not allowed to do it. Yeah. And then if you masturbate, you go to hell. Mm-hmm. And that's one that they still hang on to. That if you figure out how to get your rocks off yourself, you're done for it. Like it just straight to hell. Believe it or straight not, straight to, to jail. Yeah, man. Eh. Which I think I've I've argued that's a really shitty thing to put on a teenage brain. Yeah. Like teenage, well, teenage brain has enough to think about except, you know, like eternal damnation. I was just going to say, I was, I was a pretty hardcore Christian teenager. Like I, I was a believer, man. And I struggled with that one. And frankly, I am, I'm a little bit pissed because I really would have preferred to lose my virginity to my high school sweetheart than some random bitch that I don't care about. You know, like yeah. that's a hard way to say it, but it's the truth. It's the truth. It's like, that was the loving relationship. The other one was not. And, um, my, my own fucking, I was just too mixed up about the whole thing to, to feel like that was a safe thing to do, you know? No, I, I dig it, man. <laughs> it, the church that I went to in the town that, in the first town that I grew up in there, there's two that are kind of split evenly in half in time spent, but the church I went to there, when I was in fifth grade, they had all the fellers. In the youth group, they took, well, they took the gals and the fellers together and they put them in like the youth room and we had sex ed in fifth Mm -hmm. grade. And while I thought we were going to get useful information, 
boy was I wrong. Yeah. It was, you know, an hour every Sunday for six weeks about how, and I don't know how you can drag this out into a six hour safety briefing, but I was going to say, Jesus Christ, that's, that's a lot of content. It was essentially an hour every day about how if you fuck before you get married, not only are you going to hell, but your dick's going to fall off and you're going to die. Mm-hmm. It's going to shrivel up, turn to dust. You're going to be fucking, you know, scratching and itching and, and all your insides are going to come outside. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get every disease known to man. You're going to get super AIDS. Yeah. 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 It's like uh, mean girls. If you have sex, you will get pregnant and die. <laughs> such a good line it was exactly yeah. like that yeah fucking and ridiculous yeah that was when i started kind of going because like i was a fifth grader with the internet we all know where this went mm-hmm. but this was like second semester fifth grade so the, i had already had like a semester and a half of unfettered access to the internet <laughs> you're like i already know all this shit <laughs> yeah I thought they were going to teach me something I didn't know. And I was just sitting there like, hey, do you need me to take over? Like, I can teach the class, guys. I joke that I, I, you know, I'm grateful that I was a teenager before the golden age of online pornography. Because, <laughs> well, I, I guess I don't know if I can claim that fully. But I can claim that, like, first time I ever saw a pair of tits on the internet, it took about 10 minutes of dial-up. <laughs> I was just like sitting there waiting for the nipples. Like, come on, baby. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, did it, did it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> making that awful screeching sound in the background. Totally, totally, totally. I'm like, Carmen Electra, come on, girl. <laughs> she was hot shit back then, but oh, no, yeah. man, I almost feel for kids who got corrupted by like hardcore shit super early. Like, you couldn't stream video when I was in fifth grade not really oh no you could stream video when i was in fifth grade <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'd never even heard of Pornhub till i don't know sophomore year or some shit <laughs> yeah i was sitting in spanish class one day fifth grade and one of my friends leans into me and goes hey my man uh-huh you gotta check out this shit called hentai oh my god that's and i'm yeah. like is that some kind of spanish word is that is that what they call them spanish girls down there that- is that like sushi? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then because I'm an idiot, I got home, whipped out my little iPod. And the first thing that I did was find the internet and pull that up. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> yeah. See, you already had a handheld, man. I had to crash like three family computers uh, before I turned 15, man. <laughs> oh, no. I, I crashed the family computer like in fourth grade. <laughs> I found out about it in fourth grade and I like found websites where you could play like these little shitty flash games about it and stuff. It wasn't even the porn. I, I killed the computers with fucking LimeWire, man. <laughs> <laughs> Napster. Yeah, well, hey. Yeah, yeah. no, it's weird times, man. Growing up with the internet is like a whole minefield for children. I If I have kids, man, I hope to raise them pretty much offline. You know, like use it for its um utility but like set some fucking boundaries man no iphone till you're damn near an adult <laughs> oh yeah you know? i uh i had a friend that his parents had taken the raisin offline to such an extreme that like on youtube pretty much anything other than like the wiggles was 
like when we were in middle school, like you had to fill out a request on like their parental software to really wow. like get it. And then it's an email to his parents' phones and they had to approve it before we could do pretty much anything on his computer. You know, it's, I, I go back and forth. I think about how I might handle that as a parent. And like, I think you have to give the freedom and the trust to where the kids can use the internet for like self-directed learning, right? Like explore curiosity and maybe even give them enough leeway to where they can hate to say it, but look at some shit you'd rather them not see. But like, that's part of growing up is like, they're going to expose mm-hmm. themselves to stuff eventually. But I think, um, what's wise is making it sort of like uh, there's a separation. Like the thing is not attached to them as a child. Uh, You know, there's an iPad that you have access to. Uh, We expect you to use it responsibly, but you are free to use it. Uh, What we ask is that you use it for good, right? Like have that conversation and, um, and expressly state you will not take it into your bedroom. Or you will not, you know, like, it, there, like yeah. there's rules, man. There's rules. You can use it at, at will, but like it will be used in the common spaces only. Like the Lion King, like those kind of rules. Not to, not to bring the corporations into it, but yeah. How do you mean? What what rules are? Like, you've seen the Lion King, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to remember, yeah. like, sort of what you're. So, like, at. you know, everything the light touches is ours. Don't go past the light. That's the, that was the first rule. thing the little bastard does goes past the light. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. And yeah, like it, it's a very fine line that you have to draw. Like, okay, can you use this technology for good? Like, yes, there is a whole wealth of porn out there that uh, if you're exposed to too early, will fuck you up. And I do honestly believe that I am not saying porn is like this evil, horrible, terrible thing in any way that like we have to go out and destroy porn, like rage against the porn. Like, no, that's not my metal band. But <laughs> like, if you expose yourself to it too early, like I did, like started like spring break, then I like found all this other shit, and then it just slowly like <laughs> just. Take you to a dark place in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. And then I finally like, like I started to pull out of it. Like when I was in high school, like I got my first girlfriend and I was like, oh, right. This is what reality is like. This is way better, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and I, then. I, go on, go on. It was wild, man. Like <laughs> The night that we first got together, like we were in the big middle of things and then. Her mom walked in. Oh my god, for real? Oh, it was so bad. The first, the first fucking time. Oh my god. First time, and I was just like, "Damn it!" Like, I just hear her mother say her name. I'm not going to say her name in interests of yeah, like yeah. not doing that to people. But yeah. <laughs> her mom says her name, and I literally like stop mid thrust, look back. First words out of my mouth are, "Oh fuck me!" Oh fuck me! Oh no, I'm sorry that happened, man. That fucking blows. That blows. But I mean, I went to the shooting range the next day, so like it was great. Uh huh. Blew off so some like, steam. Yeah, so like 12 hour turnaround, like sex shooting. 
bro, you didn't even get to finish though, right? Like that's no, like that <laughs> that part sucked big time, but it was like... <laughs> yeah, especially the first time, man. It's like, oh my god, I was so fucking close, dude. <laughs> yeah, you've only been ten seconds. <laughs> oh my god, damn it, cock block, man. Yeah. Fuck. Well, that's the thing too. That's the thing too. Parents need to like know how they're gonna handle that, like. Honestly, you need to accept the fact that you like might hear some strange noises coming out of your kid's bedroom someday and you might just need to let them do it, you know? Quit being such a fucking cunt about it. Like, yeah, just like make sure that they understand like, hey, if you choose to if you choose to be fucking, be safe about it. Yeah, don't get pregnant or we will fucking murder your ass <laughs> no. yeah. you know what my old... married. <laughs> yeah you know what my old man did to me before i went into eighth grade like we just moved and he sat me down one day in the living room mom was out and about it was just us and he goes all right son we're gonna have this talk now while your mother's away I don't know why I sound like Matthew McConaughey, but that's about it. (laughs) So here's how it's going to go. If at any point while you were in middle school or high school, you get a girl pregnant, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you out back like old yeller, and I'm just going to kill you. Now, you can pick what I kill you with. Like You can choose the gun that I'm going to shoot you with, but I'm going to kill you, boy. (laughs) That's some kind of sex talk. Yeah. And that's I mean, hilarious. Before that, I mean, our sex talk was gay as hell. Not gonna lie. Like when I was in fifth grade, he caught me looking at shit while we were on spring break in a, a certain beach that's popular here in Texas. And he takes me out and he walks with me along the beach, and it, like it's just the nothing against my homosexual friends, but it looks like it's like it's just the gayest fucking thing you've ever seen. And he's like talking to me, trying to explain the mechanics of sex, and I'm like. I've been watching porn for a year, my man. Like, I know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And so he issues that threat to me. Like, it's three, four days before the first day of classes. He's like, you understand that I'm going to have to kill you, right? (laughs) And he's like glaring at me like he's Clint Eastwood, acting like he's some kind of big badass. Yeah, yeah. And like, I know this is an important moment to him. So I look him dead in the eye and I go, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, 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 perfect. <laughs> well, man, it, I mean, it's real shit. It's real shit. And, like, I think um, for whatever reason, it's all connected. But, like, if we're going to raise real men again, like, I think our generation kind of had to figure shit out on our own. Um, like, not trying to put down the generation before us, but we were just kind of like, whatever, man. We had to figure that shit out on our own. And I'm I'm starting to think more and more about just like going back to the porn thing. It's like a lot of guys are just like jerking off all day, right? Yeah. Wasting wasting a whole lot of energy and and not meeting a real fucking woman. And I was that guy for a while, you know? And like I don't want to be that fucking guy no more. Don't get me wrong, I'll still rub one out when I need to, but like, you know, it's it's I almost have given myself like rules as to what I will and won't look at, man, because I don't want it to be corruptive or um, corrosive to my 
to my masculinity, to my mental health. Like, yeah, I'll just be straightforward with you, man. I don't really watch like fucking porn unless it's somebody who's voluntarily sharing images of themselves. Like I on Reddit, man, like these girls just want to be seen and I kind of want to see them. And to me, it's way more like authentic and less dirty as like this big, you know, sort of um, coercive industry that exists. Um, you know, there's just some horny chicks out there that want to show off their fucking beaver and stuff. And it's like, that's hot. <laughs> like, and, you know? and I agree with you that it, it's more authentic on Reddit or fill in social media here that you know that mm-hmm. they haven't really been coerced and that it is a truly consensual like, look at me. I mean, even OnlyFans, I see nothing nothing inherently wrong with it from a libertarian point of view. But at the same time, I think it's when it becomes too like when you mix business and sex, it gets dirty. It gets it gets corrupted, and it's it's no longer honest or real. Um, so I I don't do that. I don't do the OnlyFans thing, even though like like I said, from a voluntarism point of view, it's a mutual like voluntary exchange. But you know, it's kind of like when it comes to sex, I think keep the money out of it altogether. Like if it's not if if it's not given freely probably shouldn't be taken right and like i think dudes need to be a little bit more careful you know in terms of the roe v wade decision like like dudes yeah wake up like you don't don't go knocking up some random broad like be careful where you come motherfucker like it's really pretty it's pretty basic like it's there's no great mystery as to how this happens like fucking like it be careful that's it you know it's incredibly idiot proof and you we continue to be surprised at how easily it's messed up. Mm-hmm. But you brought up a really interesting point about OnlyFans that I've got a pretty decent friend that she's a high school dance teacher. And that's what she elected to do with her life, God love her. Mm-hmm. And she told me the other day we were just getting dinner and drinks, catching up, bullshitting. Mm-hmm. She goes you know how, like, when we were in school, your teacher would always go, so what do you want to do with your life? Like, tell me. You know, they do it every couple of years, like kindergarten, second grade, so on and so forth. And then, you know, you start in kindergarten, it's like, oh, I want to be an astronaut. You ask a girl, I want to be a princess or whatever. And then, you know, you move up in elementary school. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a veterinarian or whatever. You move up into middle school, and it's like, oh, I want to be a cop, a soldier, or, oh, I want to be a nurse. Then you get to high school. She said that she asks her girls that are in dance probably once a semester, hey, what do you want to do with your lives? And she says that her top two answers are an influencer and OnlyFans. That those are the top two answers that young people, young women think are out there for them. And she says that the few young men that are out there, they think that military is pretty much their only option. Hmm. It's really sad, man, about the girls. Cause I've heard similar things said, like, I know you're not making that up. Uh, like the whole Instagram model um, culture and guess what? You're all not going to be that hot. 
or like whatever, like set your sights a little fucking higher. Why don't you, you know, yeah. like what's wrong with, what's wrong with like having a family and being like being beautiful to one guy instead of a million, you know, like that's, it's sad, man. It's, I just think our culture, our society is so utterly ill. It's sick. It's we, we are, I said it earlier, but we're on life support as a fucking nation. And it's just all the, you know, I joked about all my friends are degenerates, but the true like degeneracy uh, that's going on, it's hard to ignore. You know, if that's really how the majority of young girls think is the best way to move through life, like what have we fucking done to them? Right. Yeah. When I say we, obviously I, you know, you and I, we're not very old. This is not, a, you know, I would say this is not our responsibility, but it fucking is our responsibility, man, because they they left us with this mess. And, you know, unfortunately, we're going to end up being our responsibility to clean it up, that mm-hmm. we're going to have to undo the OK, that we have this belief now in an entire generation that the only way that you can survive that you can advance in life is by selling your body whether it be to the state or to other individuals like what in the name of god have we done yeah i guess we've lost, uh, we've, we've lost our own nature you know it's like our nature is to be creative and to be problem solvers and to be polymaths yeah. to be hunters and fishermen and this and that and we've gotten just totally they've they've stripped us of those abilities little by little through, through indoctrination, you know, I guess, uh, to quote a certain cabin dwelling Fowler, uh, there are many consequences to the industrial revolution. I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> would that be a Mr. Uh, TM? Yeah, I think that would definitely be everyone's uncle T uncle T professor T. Professor Tim, I've heard him called. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I have never read that work, but I probably oughta. I, uh, I heard he hit the nail on the head, unfortunately, right? I've read a pirated copy because I figure I'm already on enough lists, so I didn't order one from Amazon. Yeah. yeah. So, and... Uh, um, you have a PDF you could send me? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it unfortunately got taken down, but I think I can find one to share with you. But, uh, I, you know, I'll order the book. I'm already on the list. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) He he definitely hits all the nails on all the heads. It is. And you sit there and you, you're reading it and you're like, oh my God, he's right. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not advocating for the way that he went about executing its remedy for it but you read it and you're like wow Mm -hmm. how how can he so perfectly sum up the situation we're in Mm. well i suppose um suppose he had a certain amount of intelligence and uh awareness agreed that i you know i i don't advocate for the methods um, 
But yeah, very interesting. It's just the, the history that most people don't even give a second glance to. Um, they put it in the in the back of their mind and say, oh, yeah, that happened. Uh, but what does it all mean? You know, they don't care. They don't care. Because how many people are going to listen to this episode and they're not going to know about Haymarket like I talked about earlier? I didn't know about it. I and appreciated the, the, the yeah, history lesson there. Yeah. How many people know about Bull Mountain or the Battle of Athens? <clears throat> you know, other places where people the whiskey rebellion i mean yes you could go where, on and on where people stood up and fought back and mm-hmm. you know i'm sure there are some people that are going up you know we're gonna get the memes it's like oh ted posting but it he stood up i'm not saying he was right in the way that he did it but he made a lot of noise, that's for sure. Yeah, he took <laughs> I'm action. Trying to make, I'm trying to make some noise, but I'm using the podcast to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're using peaceful means, and that's what's important. Yeah, yeah man. Because honestly, I think if we're going to win more people over, we have to be we have to be the best among us, you know? We have to be able to justify every, every act of violence that we commit, like, and it has to be unquestionably just. If we start fucking around, they're going to win, right? They're going to lock us up so we can't fuck around. Yeah, but but we have yeah. to we have to hope that nothing comes to violent means. And I can now officially hear people outside celebrating <laughs> the uh, magic sky cloth. Hmm. Yeah, they've been popping off here. I, I, I imagine you might have heard them. But I tell you what, man, we're, we're approaching three and a half hours and I think I'm, I'm a bit out of steam at this point, but it's been really fucking fantastic. Like every bit of it, I, I'm, I'm going to leave it all. You know, I don't think you ever dropped a name. I need to go back and edit out, you know, I'll cut yeah. out the dead air when I go get a beer or whatever, but, uh, yeah, yeah maybe, man, uh, maybe cut that? that bit about our friend that has the, uh, special jarring for, uh, the Berg, just in case we draw unnatural okay. attention. Okay. Yeah. Um, I might ask you to clarify that after we hang up, but yeah. yeah. Um, right on, man. Well, thanks for coming on. I think we should you know, do this again, maybe in a couple months, see what's new. Uh, at the very least, I'll see you at the next Childerberg, like for sure. I can guarantee it. The only way that they'll keep me from Childerberg is to kill me. Yeah, or jail, but let's hope it doesn't come down to that. Yeah, it's okay. I'll just be a little hungry by the time I get there. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. All right, bro. Well, uh, yeah, good talking, and and uh, thanks for being on the Easy Peasy Podcast. I'm glad I could come on, Mike. Right on. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.